Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to try to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their community. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Our guest today is my good friend Chase Christie. met Chase at the gym. He is a husband. He is a soon-to-be father, and he's a good friend. Most of all, Chase is a good man. Chase, how are you doing today? Living the dream, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. It's been a busy day. Yeah, so I feel that. I haven't eaten dinner, so... Uh, <laughs> I yeah. had a protein shake. So you had a protein we're shake? Well, yeah. we're, we're, we're going good. Um, yeah, it's been good. Uh, you, you have a baby coming pretty soon. When is I that going to happen? Uh, November 2nd. I'm going to be a dad, which is crazy to November think about. 2nd. Yeah. That's coming so up So really, quick. any day now. She's 32 weeks yesterday. That's Sorry, coming 34 quick. weeks yesterday. Wow. Yeah. Good for so you. Really Congrats. Any day now. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. Excited and a whole other list of emotions that I don't know how to identify at the moment. So yeah. hopefully those come to me eventually. I'm really nervous about my first bow deer season. So I couldn't even imagine that you're I about know. to be a dad. <laughs> so I'm like, I would, yeah, that's, that's insane, man. I was, I was very fortunate to have an incredible father myself. Um, so yeah. hopefully if I'm half the dad he is, I think I'll be on a good path. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome, man. Uh, so First off, I'm going to ask you, we're going to we kick this episode off, or we kick the podcast off the same way every time. What is your purpose? Um, this is going to sound pretty similar to John's, but Christ follower is first, um, followed up by husband. And after that, dude, it's tough, but I'd put friend right on up there because I've been very fortunate in my life to m- make incredible friends, uh, all with varying qualities, but all uh, respectable ones. That makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, yeah, we'll uh, we'll continue with that later. First, just to kick off the episode so that you and I can get kind of some chemistry going. We already have some chemistry. Yeah. We already do. But I yeah. like these uh, these rapid fire questions, and yeah. so that we can get some some of the uh, the the ice broken. Let me put it that way. Yeah. What is your favorite cheat meal? Oh, favorite cheat meal. Yeah. Um, so now I don't do cheat meals, but you're not as disciplined as I am. So I'll <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, dude. Um, I'm going to have to give two things because I think it's hard to pick. Okay, three things because I think it's hard to pick one. If you made me pick one, I'd pick the Great White Pizza from BJ's Brewhouse. I don't know if you've ever been to BJ's Brewhouse. No, I haven't. Uh, There's one in Lubbock. It's incredible. We'll have to go sometime. Uh, If I had to pick one, that would be it. Okay. Followed by a double bacon cheeseburger from Blue Sky in Amarillo. Okay. Uh, Followed by really Torchy's Tacos, really any taco from Torchy's Tacos. Really? Torchy's? Yeah. That makes sense. There. They're high quality tacos, dude. I love them. They they every once in a while have a banger for me. Yeah. Like every once in a while, I can't do the uh, what is it? The trailer park? Yeah, that one just since I'm on my weight loss journey, that yeah. one just makes me feel like a like a piece of shit. You dude, know what I, I mean? Make it trashy too. Yeah. Some queso oh, oh, well, on of that. course you do. There's no point in making it not trashy. Trailer park, make it trashy. <laughs> have you had the Mr. Orange? I don't. I don't. I don't it, is it the salmon one? Yeah, it's the salmon one. So I have a story with salmon that, and my parents listen to this, so it's probably not a good story to tell. But yeah, uh, yeah one birthday after I started drinking alcohol, I made like salmon for everybody, like smoked salmon and like yeah. trout and stuff, nice. and it didn't go well. So I can't eat salmon. I've heard that one's really good. Dude, I'm the same with uh, catfish. There's a place in Canyon. I won't list it, but had catfish. That, I grew up on catfish. You'd freaking yeah. loved it. Like fried catfish and tartar sauce. Yeah. Um, had cat fried catfish there, got sick. I was like, probably just a bug. 
had it again, got sick again. I'm like, it's the catfish, man. Can't do it. So that's like one food I haven't gone back to since I've been sick. Dude, Domino's. Domino's. Yeah. That's Domino's for me. Yeah. I can't eat Domino's pizza. It's, it's terrible. Anyway, these are supposed to be rapid fire. Yeah. <laughs> and I screw it up every single time. Um, what is your favorite lift? My favorite lift? Deadlift. Bush Deadlift? Show. Yeah. Oh, I knew that was coming. Dude, uh, but Snatch is coming up there. Uh, I think it's just, it requires so much of you in so many different dimensions. And I... I respect it more and more every time I do it. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of same, same yeah. Um Favorite hobby? Oh man, L- um, lifting and fitness doesn't count as a hobby for you because that's the way of life. So you can't pick that one. Uh, I I do like sitting down with a good book and reading. Um, okay, I'm not saying I can sit down and do it for a long period of time, but if I have an hour or two on the weekend, I can just sit down and take my time with a book. Uh, in the morning on a Saturday with a cup of coffee, like that's a straight vibe, dude. Okay, well that rolls right into our next rapid fire question. What is your favorite book and why? My favorite book, um, dude, that's tough. And I think without, since it's rapid fire and without overcomplicating it and going off on a long tangent, um, I'd say The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker, I believe is it. it is. Yeah. Um, and he jumps into the psychology of, I mean, happiness. That's I've not heard over of complicated. That uh, and I feel like it he goes in to like what causes depression and how you can get out of it and how believing in yourself and believing like me believing in myself has an effect you believing in me has an effect too yeah. and it's like proven time and time again in the research and just a lot of a lot of goosebumps as I read that book so it had an emotional effect on me as well that, that makes sense and I've heard of that before I don't know where I've heard of it yeah. I've dived into the self-improvement journey yeah. and books just get thrown at you Dude, like, like titles oh and gosh. I actually had have you, do you ever use OneNote Microsoft OneNote. So I tried using OneNote in PT school and it like failed on me multiple times and I lost like eight hours worth of notes. You're kidding. So I like, I banned OneNote because it was so stressful for me. Was that on the computer? Yeah, it was on my Mac. Uh, I'm not going to... Yeah. I'd like to blame Mac. We everybody uses it, OneNote at Pantex, so yeah. that surprises me that yeah. that it, it hasn't been working for you. And it could have been my computer, could have been the software, could have been the Wi-Fi at UTMB. Yeah. It's hard to say. A- anyway, I uh, I uh, I have a whole book list nice. of like, and it's categorized out into like business, personal development, history, hunting, yeah. and I keep that on my OneNote on my phone. And then I even I went to the point of I started a podcast list okay. because it, it, you know books you can remember like. Oh yeah, it was in that book. Yeah. But when you're listening to three podcasts every week, you yeah. can't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think podcasts have just the same amount of value as books do. Yeah, they do. Uh, if not more, in a different way. Yeah. And so uh, I started keeping a book, uh, a podcast list of like, hey, you know, personal development. This is what it was. Yep. You know, and you know, this podcast. Dude, so. I'm bad. Like someone tells me, like you told me about that book, Endure. Yeah. And I was like, no, I probably shouldn't. But I went ahead and put it in my Amazon cart anyways. Yeah. And it sat in my Amazon cart for probably like two or three weeks and I put another couple books in there. Yeah. Um, like the David Goggins book and, uh, eat to beat disease and a couple others. And I just ordered like five hardcover books and they got in. I was yeah. like, ah, oh, it's, it's gotta be hardcovers too. Yeah. It's gotta be hard. Covers it, especially too. when there's like a one or $2 difference. I'm like, yeah. yeah I'm oh, I'm Gucci. Hardcover. And like when people buy them for me for gifts, I yeah. like, I will, send the link to the hardcover yeah. and like get this one because yeah. I don't want paperback. Paperback's nice because I can like fold it over and I'm like not dealing with the cover. It looks like you take yeah. your covers off. but Yeah, I do. Th- they're nice in that sense. But after I'm done with a soft cover book, dude, it's destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why I don't. And I want to keep them and pass them down to the kids and yeah. stuff. 
um, I kind of I follow that Andy uh, Andy Frizzella conspiracy that anything that makes you better, they're probably going to get rid of it at some point. It's not going to be easily available. I'm a yeah. tinfoil hat guy, so I wanted yeah. the hardcovers to make sure that I have like you know, fifty books I haven't read yet. Yeah, well, you should get on that. <laughs> you should you should fix. It's like that. you do the math, and you're like, damn. Yeah. What is your uh, What is your favorite day of the week? So I'm not like I'm not here to try and impress anybody. I think the answer would be like Monday morning, and yeah. like that's just not it for me. Like I said earlier, like soup, I grind like pretty hard throughout the week, Monday through Friday. Uh, yeah. Saturday morning, Lord willing, like I get the opportunity, sleep in a little bit, brew some coffee, make a nice like hearty breakfast, and read a book. So I'd have to awesome. say like. Saturdays because I get to pick whatever I want to do with them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. no, Brett. Uh, Brett's that kind of guy. Like yeah. he's the one. I don't remember if I, it was on the podcast I put out because we've got part one and part two. Yeah. But Brett said I think one it's day, I think it's part two because I didn't is hear it, it, is on it part is one. Is it part two? Yeah, yeah I still got to put part two out. It had a little bit. I had to do some more editing on it, so I've been working on it while I've been putting other stuff out with Brett. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he said he said Monday. So yeah. I guess that's spoiler alert for all of that. But uh, yeah, he said Monday, and he's just got that killer mentality. <laughs> And so that's what I was, yeah. I was messing with John on that. And then John said Thursday, that was pretty good. But anyway, man, those are our uh, rapid fire questions. I want to go over happiness advantage was your favorite book. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to start a, a list for, for our, uh, our listeners. That way they can, you know, start getting yep. those books. Um, yep. So you said, let's, let's start off. Let's get the, uh, the easy pickings. You said your, your first purpose was a Christ follower. Why yes. is that? Why do you think that's important? Um, Dude, I've just experienced uh, a lot in my life, uh, a lot of challenging times, adversity, trials, tribulations, things like that. And there have been a lot of times I'm like, there's no way I can do this. There's no way that I can like, this is way over my head. Um, And we can dive into that a little bit, but I'll give you the opportunity to ask those questions. Um, Times that I didn't think I'd be able to make it through, but I did. And the only way I can explain it is that there was some divine hand in the mix of things. Um, and it's tough for me to just ignore. So uh, giving credit where credit is due. And I had a conversation with my advisor in PT school. His name's Dr. Furtado. And he said he can look across a classroom and he said with like about 90% accuracy, he can tell you like who is a Christ follower and who isn't just by like the presence that they have amongst like just by themselves and amongst other students. So I think there, and it's not that you become a Christ follower to have that kind of presence. It's just like, it's noticeable. You're like, you're the light of the earth is the biblical saying for it. Yeah, that makes that makes sense, and and I think a lot of people that have that have truly come to love Christ and that have become true, passionate Christ followers have done that through adversity. Mm-hmm. It, it, it seems like either yeah. either they've they've grown up in it and that works for some people, but they truly find that faith through adversity. Yeah, I think is that would you would you agree with that? Yeah, you're probably you're obviously more religious than I am, but I, I think mm-hmm. that that's pretty accurate, at least from what I've seen. Yeah. Is that the people that I think truly follow and 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 are I guess devout is maybe that the word? Yeah. Uh, are devout. They they come through that through some sort of adversity. I maybe think. the word is aware. They're aware of their inadequacies and yeah. their inability to be adequate independently of Christ. I think that I think awareness is probably um or yeah, I'd stick with awareness. That makes sense. But awareness of their need for Christ. That makes sense. So, what do you what do you do on a daily, weekly basis to connect with that purpose? 
Um, so I have a, it's called Jesus is Calling. It's a devotional. And every morning, but so I get to, I get to work like 15, 20 minutes early every day. Um, that gives me a minute to like catch my breath, have a sip of coffee. Um, we're seeing a trend here with coffee. Um, and that spends, allows me to spend a couple minutes with God. Um, and it gets me in the right mindset because as a physical therapist, I feel like I give out a lot of good and I have to take on a lot of bad and I can't, again, I can't do that by myself. So relying on Christ for that. That makes sense. Do you go to church? Uh, go to church, kind of depending on the day. So we have this church that we went to in the Houston area. It's called Clear Creek Community Church. Right. And there's a pastor down there. His name's Yancey Arrington, Dr. Yancey Arrington, I, my dad. Um, and we like watching his sermons. Uh, so we kind of alternate back and forth between that. And there's a church in Canyon called Living Water, um, which is where I went to when I was in high school and undergrad. So That's cool. I apologize. I didn't call you Dr. Chase Christie. I, completely oh, <laughs> I feel bad about it. I, did, I didn't do it for the title. I did it because it's what I wanted to do. I know. I'm just just giving you hell. So how do you think God feels about your caffeine addiction? (laughs) (laughs) I've never never pondered that before. I'm just Um, just giving you hell, dude. As long as I'm not putting it above him, I guess. Which That was my next question, is Jesus or caffeine? So no, I'm just giving you hell. That coffee, I can't get into the coffee, man. I can't get into it. I may have to get you on a combination that would get you on coffee if you want to get on coffee i you know iced coffee is probably the way to get me into it because i don't like hot drinks whatsoever and so iced coffee is probably the way to get me into it so there's a there's a coffee that is the smoothest coffee i've ever had personally not that i've tried a bunch so i'm no i'm not a connoisseur by any means uh but it's called death wish and it's a it's a smooth blend of the two different types of beans that they use and it's not acidic tasting which is what i like about it not like starbucks coffee i don't know how people get behind that because i drink it i'm like it tastes like acid is just going down my throat well and their politics are crap too so yeah (laughs) not to mention that (laughs) um but it's super smooth i just did like a splash of french vanilla creamer and it's good to go awesome yeah Yeah, uh i'll have to hit you up there's a a company called stocking mill coffee company and it's like black rifle only they're decent people so oh. <laughs> um yeah no stocking mill is pretty cool i have to hit you up because they've got a they've got one called the wig splitter and nice. it's like that super high caffeine it's kind of like that death wish yeah death uh, wish is super high caffeine it's like four times the amount of caffeine of others yeah which is good for me yeah i'll have to i'll have to send you the link to stocking mill. Yeah. they ask if you vote for joe biden and if you say yes they send you to bag <laughs> so you can't even enter their site if you answer yes to that question so i just i just love them and I, this podcast isn't a political podcast but yeah. I like people that do stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, anyway, sorry, we're, we're off the beaten path. So I wanted to ask you, um, we got to, uh, we'll dive into the, the Christ stuff uh, later. We'll, we'll get a little bit deeper into that. Um, one thing that I really wanted to get off my chest and talk with you about is the deadlift. I, I need to know about the deadlift because I go into conversations completely unprepared with a bunch of people and I'm like, you should deadlift. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, like just deadlift, and yeah, and I have fair. nothing to back it up. So coming from a doctor in physical therapy, <laughs> you help people all the time. You help people much older and much more crippled than mm-hmm. I am. Tell me why? Why should I do the deadlift? And how heavy I should go? How much I should do it? So I'm going to start off with this narrative that I came across one time, and it was between is between a coach and a and a, doc, and a doctor. And the coach is asking the doctor, like, hey, is it okay if I start deadlifting with your patient? He's like, absolutely not. That's too dangerous. He's like, okay, right. fair enough. So would you be okay with your patient? Let's say they got home from the grocery store. Um, 
bag full of groceries. They walk up to their front door and they realize their front door's locked. Like, are you okay with them like putting the putting the bags of groceries down, right. standing back up, unlocking the door, picking the groceries back up and walking through the door? He was like, of course, like they have to be able to do that. Yeah. And the coach goes, well, doctor, the only difference I see between you and me is that I'm, I'm willing to prepare the individual to do that and you're not. Right. Um, so there's, there's fundamental lifts that are wired into our nervous system that we have to be able to do on a daily basis. Um, okay. You think like standing up, sitting down, that's a squat. Right. Picking things up from the ground. It's functional. You've got to be able to do it on a day, day basis. And when doctors are like, can't bend over for eight weeks, I'm like, okay, you don't bend over for eight weeks and see if that's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that one there. <laughs> um, putting things overhead. So like, think about reaching up into a cabinet. Think about getting something down. Think about reaching up in your closet. Right. Um, and I really like that narrative, that dialogue between those two, because it shows like you're telling a person to avoid something. I'm showing a person how to do it right. right. And it's kind of another way I like to put it. And I explained this to a patient one time and it was way awkward. So I haven't explained it this way again. But, you know, you know, in school when they like I pledge to not have sex before I get married. And I don't want to get into that whole conversation yeah, 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 like yeah, you yeah. had with John. Yeah. But well, now um, we're talking about bending over. Yeah. <laughs> daily life. Uh, and what really frustrated with me on that in hindsight as I was like well maybe if they told us how to be safe with it instead of just just telling not to do it like maybe some lives could have been saved and I kind of it's it's a stretch but I kind of view deadlifts the same like how many backs could we have saved because at some point in the American life like it's 80 to 90 percent of Americans will have back pain how much of that and a vast majority of those people use medical costs to take care of it yeah how much money could we have saved and how much hardship and time could we have saved if we taught people how to deadlift safely to begin with Uh, yeah i I completely agree and maybe if you're dealing with the old ladies next time use alcohol instead instead of premarital sex yeah that might be that might be a little bit how to be safe with alcohol yeah yeah you know like if they instead of not to drink it yeah and that's kind of what yeah, because you see that happen with like the preacher's daughters. That's like the, that's like the the a one case of like they tell them not to do very very bad things, and they just say you know don't ever do it. Just they don't ever mention it. You know what I mean? And then you see a preacher's daughter two years after high school, and she's strung out on coke and yeah. drinking every night. You know yeah. what I mean? Whereas if you're like, hey, look, if you want to try alcohol, you can try it with us. Mm-hmm. This is the effects of alcohol. Same thing with the deadlift is, hey, look, if you want to try the deadlift, come into Empower Sports and PT mm-hmm. and try the deadlift. We're going to teach you how to deadlift well. Yep. You know, I, I don't know all the medical stuff. I would assume that there are some cases where you probably shouldn't be picking up a barbell off the ground. Um, like there, there, may, there might be some cases where it's like, hey, let's not do that yet. So I'm going to be critical with that. Um, you don't have to use a barbell to do it. Deadlift is a cool part. And you don't have to do yeah. it from the ground is the other cool part. You can still get similar. Um, like when they compare a trap bar deadlift to a just straight barbell deadlift similar readings on an ekg so if i ask a patient i'm like do you ever plan on because i don't want to assume do you ever plan on doing any kind of barbell sport like olympic lifting powerlifting? if they're like no i pretty well go at the trap bar because similar readings on an ekg and it still strengthens the posterior chain right well and i'm just trying to cover my ass because we both know that there's going to be a guy in a wheelchair that's going to go i can't deadlift you know what i mean like or the dude that has got three bulging discs or yeah you know what what i'd argue let's get you deadlifting well well what i'm saying is that surely there are some cases out there where you don't have to deadlift so chase is a doctor you know 
know. For your mm-hmm. specific problems, go to Empower Sports and PT. Yeah. Don't take all of your medical advice from my podcast. Yeah. Chase, you can you can rep your your yeah. your, your situation and Dude, shameless plug, Empower PTM performance. Uh, yeah. we just moved to a new clinic, seven thousand square foot facility, and I'm a little biased, but I think it's the best PT clinic in town. It yeah. is. I've been to a, I've been to a few of them and yeah. I and I think it is. Yeah. Um mo- the most functional mm-hmm. uh, how do I put that? Like obviously y'all are functional, but mm-hmm. I think your goal is to get people to be the most functional. Yeah. And you seem to have a little bit more of that expertise of hey, we're not just going to touch resistance bands, and you know we can manipulate a little bit. We can we can do other things that other PTs maybe aren't willing to do or don't mm-hmm. want to do or too lazy to do. Yeah. And so I, I in power is is really good, and and you especially. I haven't been to the other people, but yeah. if they're anywhere close to your caliber, they're they're going to be awesome. So, but anyway, on that, what uh. What does deadlifting actually do to strengthen the spine? And if somebody, imagine you have a functional person that does well, they don't have any diagnosed, you know, back issues, something like that. They just have a little bit of pain in the deadlift. What do you recommend them do other than coming to your clinic? Do you recommend starting light and staying light? What do you What do you do there? Um, so, trying to answer your first question, like how does it strengthen the back? So, all the core musculature has to maintain like a, what we call an isometric contraction to main to maintain a neutral spine. Um, if those if the muscles around your core weren't working, you'd just see that wicked rounding that some people do. Right. Um, so it's working on that working on the hips and you also feel it in the legs like it's more of a pushing the ground away with your feet than it is lifting the barbell up with your back i've heard that a lot um so if you get that mindset down it helps out quite a bit uh next question so if someone's coming in with a little bit of pain in the deadlift uh like what would i do yeah well i mean just like what is it okay to fight through it? Let me put it this way. Is it okay to fight through a little bit of pain on the deadlift and will it get better after that? Uh, that's a tricky question. I think it kind of depends on the patient and where they're at on their fitness journey. Like uh, if a super experienced lifter came in and they had, let's call it three out of 10 pain with the deadlift. I'm going to try to cue that out. Um, try to get set up position down. Try to like, all right, engage the lats pretend like there's an orange underneath your armpits and squeeze the oranges i want to make sure from the side view i want to make sure shoulders are above hips hips are above knees and i'll give the cue to push the ground away right um if i can cue out the pain that's what i go for first um if i try to cue it out we do mobility breakouts still having issues um i'll look into like elevating the deadlift a little bit so put the either use safety spotter arms on the rogue rack or get jerk blocks out to raise the bar up and if they can do a deadlift from a six inch steps without pain and with proper cueing i'm cool with that and eventually work their way back down okay and by by, i'm gonna say cueing would you to somebody that doesn't know would you say that you have to make sure your form is so so when i say cueing it's verbal things if i like verbal cues i'm saying squeeze the orange underneath your armpits yeah keep the barbell close um if I say tactile cues, uh, tactile being like I touch a certain part, and I'm like, hey, be tight here, or I touch, uh, or I'm like, hey, follow this line here. Yeah. If there's anything where there's um, physical touches involved, it's a tactile cue. So there's different kinds of cues I can yeah. use to but correct form. They're all u- yeah, they're all used to get form in, in that correct spot. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is listening to this eight hours away and they can't come into into in power the mm-hmm. first step is to research your form and make sure your form is yes. is good on the deadline. and don't just google it like uh, a really good resource to use is the institute of clinical excellence okay um awesome guys up there they practice what they preach super inspiring um and what his name's mitch babcock 
Babcock, a super cool dude. And he, he says the role of the spine is to hold the line. So you want a straight spine in the things that you're doing. Right. Not to mean that it's a bad thing if your back rounds in some movements. Like there's some exercises where we want it to, like the Jefferson curl. Yeah. Uh, but 99 times out of 100, you want a flat back. Right. What about, uh, have you heard of Mark Ripito? I have. I haven't spent a whole lot of time with him because I, I tend... For better or for worse, I tend to find like a group of people or an yeah. individual and I stick with them because it stays consistent and there's not like back and forth that happens. Yeah. So I stick with the Institute of Clinical Excellence. They call themselves ICE, which is that's cool. cool. Yeah. I think you, you retweet them a lot, don't you? Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, okay. Yeah. I think that answers all my questions about the deadlift. I sent you that Instagram reel of, I don't even remember, I don't even know what the guy's yeah, name is. And what bothers me about that is I'm sure he can deadlift a lot. And I think it's like a, what bothers me about that is he's using his platform and his ability to pretend to be an expert and he's not. Yeah. So, so for everybody that doesn't know, there was a clip of a guy on Joe Rogan. It was, it was a strong man and he was basically saying that, the deadlift is not the risk versus reward isn't there. You know what I mean? And and he's claimed that like a bunch of football players, like they don't deadlift or whatever. And I don't know what he meant. Maybe he just meant deadlifting super, super heavy. You know what I mean? Like getting into the eight hundreds and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe that's what he meant, but which like only 0.01% of the population can actually yeah, do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was a little offhand, and a lot of people are using that. Dude, it's A lot tough. of anti-deadlift people are, like, sharing that. And I'm like, man, that's that's not very true because football players do deadlift. And then he said something. He was like, well, if you're doing – you'll see football player, players doing hang cleans and power cleans. It's like, well, you kind of have to know how to deadlift to do yeah, that. You know, I mean, like, if you're doing a snatch or a power clean, like you got to know how to deadlift. Yeah. So, and and those those more dynamic movements that that seems more dangerous to me. Mm-hmm. And just a physical, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's so much more dynamic. That, you're yeah, there's a lot more the weight around parts. Versus, yeah. I I could see how deadlift would be easier to overload. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and hurt yourself maybe, but just in a general sense of what what has more of a chance to get hurt. I don't think any yeah. of them have, if you're doing them right, yeah. I don't think any of them have a super big chance to get hurt. Yeah. But if it's anything, it's the one where you're throwing the bar up in the air, you and know, that, that's four what, foot. And so, like, I, I don't know. The, the clip just didn't make any sense. So I wanted to clarify that with you for all the people listening. Yeah, and uh, I think it, when you go into the gym, if you're especially, like, specifically a CrossFit gym, yeah, if you can leave your ego at the door, if the gym has a good environment and there's right. good coaching like coaches who are willing to correct you on things because um, it's not fun to correct people but coaches who are willing for your betterment and safety right. uh, if you have those three things you should be pretty good yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. and if if you you may not buy into crossfit you may not buy into the kipping pull-ups and stuff like that but if you want to learn how to lift go find a good crossfit gym that lifts a lot and you'll you'll learn a lot about the lifting and the ollie lifting and stuff like that i think yeah um, and it's funny because for eight years, my, the first eight years of my fitness journey, I was anti-CrossFit. Um, yeah. And it took the people from ICE to convince me like, hey, you do it right. And like, you're going to be the most well-rounded individual that you can be. And that's what I kind of yeah. s- seek out being. Well, and the only CrossFit experience I have is a CFA. And mm-hmm. so maybe maybe the other people have a point. Um, I could see how it yeah. could be done really wrong. Oh, yeah. And, and CFA is just, I mean, they're badass. You know, everything I've heard, everything I've seen, it seems like CFA does it the best. Yeah, you know what I they mean? do a solid it, job. And right. it's going into a gym and finding a g- good gym is like, or good CrossFit gym is kind of like an ollie lift. Like there's a lot of moving parts and a lot can go wrong. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 
CrossFit Amarillo does a good job of making sure all those edges are clean. Well, and, and I was telling somebody the other day, if you walk into a CrossFit gym and you see absolutely shredded people that are throwing bars around and doing doing awesome things and that are that are kicking your ass and they're doing it in a class with a 70 year old and you see that repeatedly that's probably a good indication that it's a good crossfit mm-hmm. gym because that means they care about their people they're mm-hmm. not leaving anybody behind mm-hmm. um and that that's what cfa does extremely well yeah. i mean you've got people like lisa you tony you know i'm, I'm probably missing people you, you need to put me in a different but, bracket home. i mean <laughs> gid, you know what i mean yeah i guess in terms of crossfit you're yeah. maybe not up there with those guys yeah. but gid you know what i mean like you've got these people in here with also the people that aren't you know like myself and we're doing classes together Mm -hmm. and we've been doing it consistently and we're all growing yeah and so to me that's a that's a mark of at least a good like i said i don't have anything to compare it to yeah but if nothing else it's a good place to go get fit you know i don't know if it's a good place to do crossfit you know because i don't have anything to compare it to Mm -hmm. but if nothing else it's a good place to go get fit if you if you can walk into a class and see that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that that makes sense and it's brutal uh but it's a good kind of brutal yeah, like, it is. I'm, I'm a better person because of it. Right. And I think CrossFit, uh, CrossFit Amarillo, they make the workouts a little bit better from what I hear. Because I, I hear that a lot of the, the CrossFit workouts are just hammer your ass into the ground cardio. You know what I mean? Like some of the, some of the longer AMRAPs, like Friday Night Lights or whatever. You know what I mean? I've never done a Friday Night Lights just because I do stuff on Fridays. But I hear that a lot of CrossFit gyms, they don't do the barbell work and they'll sacrifice their lifting strength for for the, yeah. the cardio, you know, just kill you workouts. And CrossFit yeah. Amarillo doesn't work. You know, they, they don't do that. They do a really good job of, of incorporating the lifting and the strength. And then we'll do a 12-minute a AMRAP or we'll yeah. do a, you know, a, a, a three-round, you know, it's going to be an eight-minute high-intensity workout, but we just lifted a whole bunch. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I really, really like it. Yeah, and I, I need to spend some more time with it, and I'm actually reading through the CrossFit Level 1 handbook right now um, ever so slowly because I only read it when I'm at work. If I have, like, an open right. slot, I'll break that out. Um, but from what I can tell, and, like, my I've only been doing it for six months, so but from what I can tell, we have a pretty good balance, and I've been progressing things, um, things that definitely needed to improve, like my cardiovascular strength. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So what do you think about, uh, I saw a meme the other day and it was like, it was these people laughing and it was like, uh, it was like chiropractors after they invented CrossFit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's just, it's just silly. But what do you say to people that when they have an ache or a pain, when they say, oh man, I need to go to the chiropractor. I've been trying to change hearts and minds around me because people will say, hey man, I need to go to a chiropractor. And I'll say, hey, look, listen. If, if you have like chiropractors have helped me before, but you need to immediately go to a physical therapist right after you go to a chiropractor and get the issue fixed. You know what yeah. I mean? What What is your opinion on that? Because I know chiropractors can help. I mean, you've adjusted me before and, it, you know, as it a friend helps. and it's, it, it felt it feels good and it does yeah. help. But also I, I've had to come back more often with the chiropractor and they never offered me any any wholesale solutions. Whereas I go into physical therapy and they say, well, yeah, you're weak. You know what I mean? Yeah. In this area, this area. So do the, do these exercises. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Somebody looking at, do I go to a chiropractor or what, what do I do? So let me start off by trying to paint a picture. So if you can visualize a Venn diagram, um, right. and on one side, you know, a Venn diagram, like it overlaps in the middle. So one side, physical therapist, one side, chiropractor, kind of the way I view it. Um, and I'm open to criticism on this is, Chiropractors go to go to school for a long time to learn like joints, manipulations, things like that, and a little bit of exercise. 
Mm-hmm. We go to school for a long time, work on a lot of exercising with a little bit of joint manipulations. Um, right. And I've actually learned a lot of my ma- manipulation techniques after school. Um, so done correctly, like a chiropractor done correctly and a physical therapist done correctly actually looks a lot similar than you would think. Right. Um, I'd almost be curious if they did a study on it and like, okay, do you think that as a chiropractor or a physical therapist? Because like I said, done correctly, you sh- it should be hard to be able to tell the difference. Yeah. Um, like they'll be stronger with manipulations and will be stronger with exercise selection. Uh, but all the evidence, especially with low back, uh, they come out with these things called clinical practice guidelines. Right. And they take all the best evidence from like years and years and years and they add it together and they say, okay, joint manipulations for the lower back and they give it a grade like A plus, A, A minus, B plus, so on and so forth. Right. Uh, the two best things that you can do for low back pain is manipulate it and strengthen it. So done correctly, it should look very similar. Very similar. Um, okay. But some physical therapists are hesitant to do manipulations, which I understand, and because they're not confident in it. They're not confident or competent um and some chiropractors hesitate on exercise selection because they're not confident or competent in it right and i I think some of that comes from the uh now i'm gonna say this i completely agree with the way this is that chiropractors are a little bit more of a uh they're becoming a little bit more of a boutique type experience you know what i mean like it is not uncommon to find chiropractors in a shopping mall you know what i mean these days now not the big ones but the what are they called strip malls yeah, you know what I mean. It's not uncommon, and I and I like that because you can get in, get out, pay the dude. You know what I mean. But I think that on mass, you're if you walk into a physical therapy place, especially a sports and performance place like what yours is, and I think that's a big difference for people. A lot of people think that the only reason you go into a PT is for you know after post injury work, where I think that's that's very incorrect. And like I said, I'm trying to change hearts and minds to. Yeah. You know, hey, go into the PT and pay them the self-pay rate. Mm-hmm. Tell them you got this issue going on yeah. instead of waiting until you get hurt to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think some of that confusion is chiropractors are morphing into this. Hey, come in 10 minutes. We'll crack you. You you know, you get yeah. the hell out of here. Give me 50 bucks. I'll see yeah. you next week. Yeah. I've been to a lot of those and the PTs are, you know, not picking up that that extra. Hey, I think PTs need to go a little bit more that way and chiropractors need to come back. You know what I mean? PTs go like, I like what y'all, I like what y'all do. Mm -hmm. Y'all are very open to the public. You don't have to have a prescription to come in there. Mm -hmm. You you can just go get help. To a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. To, to a certain degree. Yeah. But, um, and don't let me say anything that isn't true, but that that depends on insurance. It gets messy, but self pay. Like I can see anyone and do whatever I want for the self pay. rate. Yeah. And I think physical therapists need to come a little bit more in that direction. Like Mm -hmm. you, like you are, Mm -hmm. um, and working with athletes and stuff like that. And I think chiropractors need to come back into the, Hey, stop taking people's money just to pop their mm-hmm. neck you know what I mean and it's it's not going to help them and I, I don't like speaking in absolutes because I think that's very ballsy yeah. uh, but I think a handful of chiropractors their business model depends on you coming back indefinitely Right. and something I tell my patients um, and I'm trying to be more consistent about it I'm like hey it's my goal for you not to need me yeah. You stay consistent with your stuff at home. You stay consistent with coming up to appointments here. And for for this specific muscle group or body part, right. um, like let's say they have low back stuff going on, which is most of what I see, probably like 70% of the patients I see. Um, I tell them like, I, it's my goal for you not to have to come back for this because I want to teach you what to do and why we're doing it so that you can do it on your own. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, that was something I wanted to flesh out with yeah. you because you know a lot about both of those. So, um, let's get back to your purpose. You said that your uh, purpose is a Christ follower and then a husband. How does having that purpose? You said Christ, Christ follower, husband, and friend, and I'm assuming father is going to be added somewhere in there pretty yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, maybe right under husband. Soon. Yes. That, yeah. that, I think that would be the appropriate order. Okay. Um, yeah. So how does that ground you in the things that you do every day? So do you ever find yourself trying to get through the day and it's been a hard day or getting through a workout? You don't want to go into the gym. Do you ever look back on your purpose as either a Christ follower or a husband and say, the reason I'm going to go and get motivated to do this stuff is my purpose. Do you ever find that drive through your purpose? I do. Um, and I think to try and answer your question as directly as possible, uh, I don't know if it's because I'm sick in the head or what, but I'll think about like close friends and family dying. Um, and I muster up these scenarios in my head where it's like, I could have done something about it. Like you have a nightmare. It's like, man, if I was just a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, I could have saved that person. Um, so in regards to working out and like being a husband, like, uh, I want someone to like, if I'm walking around with my wife and they know, or they see my wife walking around and they know that she's married to me. Um, and if they're thinking about pulling something slick, I really want them to step back and second guess. It's like, damn, she's married to chase. Um, and that, that allows me to sleep better at night. Um, and that allows me to fulfill that purpose. Yeah, I would put that under your your husband and your friend, and even even Christ follower, because yeah. you know we're called to. I think we're called to protect people. Yeah, um, absolutely, especially and, as husbands. Yeah, and, and I'm going to go out there and say that boys and girls are different, and husbands bo- a husband is a boy, and their yeah. role is to protect their wives and family. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and to the point of death. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I was uh, when I first started. You know, working out. It was it was for some of the same reasons of. You know, I started getting more into the the first responder stuff of like having stuff on me, like tourniquets, things like that. And I just started thinking about like, yeah, all this stuff is really cool, but if I can't fucking run there, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I can't get there, then it's it's pointless. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the other thing, like you said, if somebody wants to come mess with us, um, I want to be really hard to kill. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? That's kind of yeah. Stronger people are harder to kill. Yeah, that, he's got that, and then Pat McNamara. Um, it's a gun guy, but I want to be hard to kill. Yeah, you know. And so I I agree with that, and I, and I think that does tie to our purpose of what we were taught growing up. Of hey. You know, as a man, you know, I'm sure you had a little sister, maybe a uh, big sister, big sister. Okay. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you don't share this, but it was always for me. It was, Hey, you're here to protect your little brother. Yeah. And then eventually you're going to have to protect your wife. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I had a little sister. Now you're here to protect your little sister and that is your purpose. And both my brother and I found a very strong purpose in protecting my, my little sister. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I do think that that, that, that connects. I, I get you on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so you do have a kid coming yes. and we talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when she brought in the, the pee stick and was smiling and said, Hey, this is, this is happening. What, what um, rushed over you? So I can't say that something happened right away. Cause I, I don't like getting too excited until something's actually done. And I yeah. feel like we're getting closer to said thing being done. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming, yeah. Coming right up on it. Uh, but what I can say is as we've progressed through this pregnancy, um, I find myself, I don't know if it's something like chemical that God puts in us that when we discover we're going to be a father, like 
he starts kind of getting you ready. Uh, but my my love and my appreciation for and my care for her has just like slowly escalated for the whole 34 weeks. Um, and I love her in a completely different way, but better kind of way, I think. Your wife. Yes, my wife. Because you don't know the gender of the baby. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, I was really confused. Yes. So I think that's the biggest change that I've noticed so far. And I... I have to think that we're wired chemically that when we discover that we're going to be a father and we know that this woman is carrying our, our, uh, what do you want to call it, offspring? Yeah. Um, your baby, I th- your I th- kid. I think we're set up to be prepared for that and protect her even more so at any cost because now it's not just her. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Like so you're bearing my last name. So get ready. Yeah. <laughs> get ready. Yeah. The, uh, um, so would you say the the responsibility came over you a little bit more than the happiness, like the like the oh, sense of uh, so sense of yeah. increased responsibility before the happiness? Oh, absolutely. That um, makes sense. And then being completely transparent, uh, the, the selfish side of me was like, man, instead of getting this, I'm going to be getting something for the baby. Instead of going on this trip, I'm going to be getting something for the kid. Instead yeah. of doing that, I'm going on a soccer trip to Dallas. Uh, so that selfish side, it definitely was present. Um, but then I started thinking, I'm like, but there's going to be a lot of good too. Um, and it's my hopes, it's my dreams, it's my desires. It's almost my expectations that the good outweighs all of that. Yeah. All my selfish desires. That that makes a lot of sense. And for me, I, I strongly resisted having kids for a while. And number one, I was 20 years old. You know what I mean? Like we were, I got married at 21. So, you know, I I said for a little bit that I wasn't going to have any, and we still don't know for sure, you know, what's going to happen. But I think that was the same thing for me of like, Hey, look, I was responsible all through high school. Like I, you know, I did things all through high school. I was a very responsible high schooler, even through college, I was very responsible. And so I just kind of wanted to fuck off and not do anything. And I thought that I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? And so I was like, I don't really want to have kids. And yeah. that, that's selfish. And I don't think that's wrong. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that's wrong at all because it is true. You are going to have to be making sacrifices. And people like you and I, we work hard so that we can give ourselves and our wives a really good life. And yeah, then now you're going to have a, a third drain on that. Yeah. But once you once you incorporate them into that of, hey, look, my, my added purpose is to give them a good life. I think then you can get that reward from that purpose. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Do you agree with that? Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So what's... uh. What's next? What do you, what do you, have you ever read the boy crisis? No, you haven't. Cause we talked about it. Um, it. What do you, what do you want? You want a boy or you want a girl? Um, I think there's a couple answers for that. Eventually I want a boy. Uh, I'm the last yeah. Christie and I want, there's a certain pride, I guess that I have in my last name. Right. Um, so I want to keep that going. So at some point a boy, uh, at this point, boy or girl, I'm, as long as they're healthy, 10 fingers, 10 toes, um, functioning heart, functioning brain and spinal cord. Like I'm going to be pretty happy. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the good answer. Eventually a boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good answer, but eventually yeah. you want a boy. Yeah. So if we could get a boy the first time, that'd take a lot of stress off us. Just second. one and done. Just yeah. we're done. We just, uh, we're doing two, but <laughs> one child there's going to be, there's going to be a, I, I would be okay doing one, but my sister has convinced me otherwise. Yeah. So. I, I think, it, I think it would be cool to have, 
I think two is pretty necessary. Yeah. Two, and it gives two your kid three. an opportunity to like problem solve, even though they don't realize that they're problem solving. Yeah. Well, if we get into a world eventually where we have to homeschool, which it's a pretty far off world in, in the places that we're at, you know, you can still yeah. find good small schools here, mm-hmm. but if you ever end up having, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. If you ever end up having a homeschool though, I think having a brother or a sister to, to, to find that adversity with really yeah. helps. And I think me. we have a, I think we have a moral obligation, like you're in a good spot. Um, and if you can even kind of financially afford to bring a kid into the world, you need to do it because especially if you're a good person, um, yep. and we need more good people in the world, having good kids. And that's, I'm kind of encouraging my wife's sister cause yeah. she's an awesome person. She's married to an army ranger, like CFO of a big oil and gas company. Like oh, they, yeah. they definitely have the, the financial backing to do it. Um, and they need to, they are both incredible human beings and they need to populate the earth with their genes. I mean, if you just want to look at it, look at it from like a biological standpoint. Yeah. The, the natural selection, like the, we must keep the good going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Dude, and that's, I, I have something to say on that. So have you heard like about the Mayans? No, well, I mean, I've, I know that they're a thing, but so not very much to any degree. But they had the belief, so they'd play, they'd have like sporting events, and whoever won the sporting event was sacrificed to their god, with the idea that they were going to skip over purgatory. So, like they, <laughs> yeah. so uh, there, it was an honor to be sacrificed because you're like, sweet, I'm skipping over this purgatory and going straight to whatever their heaven was. It may have been heaven, I don't know. Awesome. Um, so they're fully willing to do it. So the big strong athletic Mayans were just dying off like crazy because they kept on winning right. let's add to it they took the most beautiful like virgin bride or virgin whatever and they sacrificed one of those a month and it's like before long like a month it, it was some like way too frequent of a time period um and before long you're like gosh like we don't have much left in our gene pool yeah who the fuck uh, is gonna fight the spanish yeah so you ever have you come across like an impressive mayan because i haven't like well, the, it not. kind of explains it why <laughs> that's 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 kind of fucked up like yeah that's the opposite of darwinism like <laughs> yeah you did the absolute opposite of darwinism that's awesome that's that's great don't yeah. you love looking back at history with yeah 2020 vision and just being like hey hey look <laughs> there's just there's just one guy standing that hasn't been sacrificed it's, it's yeah. like the people off of wally oh god <laughs> you know what i mean like just yeah, a this bunch is, of this fat, is where human the yeah, human species fat ugly up. people after you sacrificed all the good and we ones. could go off on a tangent there but i think we're tiptoeing the line anyways so yeah we'll, we'll keep it on the mayans for now yeah keep it on the mind yeah let's do that let's let's move into other things <laughs> so what is uh so, I have another question for you. The Have you ever heard of the law of attraction? Yes, I have. Okay, have you heard of like this quantum physics, the universe gives back what you put in type karma thing? Have you, um, have you heard of this? Yes, I have. Okay, how do you feel about that with your religion? Because the, you know, the law of attraction, if you get really deep into it, and I'm not very, this may be, this may be two idiots talking about something that we don't have a fucking clue on. So, um, well, Jordan Peterson says like you need to in a conversation you need to like explore the edges of your knowledge and your ability. So it'd probably be good for us to explore yeah. this. So well, let's give it a shot. It's going to be very at the edge for me, um, but yeah, it, it might be very at the edge for me. So if you're screaming at your speakers during this conversation, please come on the podcast and we'll talk about it. But does that number one does that bump up with your religion? Because a lot of this quantum physics and stuff, 
how does it relate to the religion? How do you, how do you, there's this theory that if you go through life putting out good vibes and good energy, that you'll get that back. And I think a lot of people, a lot of these really high successful people, they may sub that in for religion where they're not super religious. They'll sub in the law of attraction and quantum physics and, and you know, the karma thing for religion. Does that bump up against religion? Do you believe in both? How do you believe in that of of what you put out into the world? Is it going to come back to you? Um, and I know, I know that's a hard question, but that's tough. Do as to others as you would want done unto yourself. I think that's a golden rule. And I think that applies to a lot of thoughts, beliefs, um, and religions. So is, is that, biblical? I think, I think you can believe in them. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So what, what, what says that if you put good out into other people that that good will come back to you? Um, so I'm going to reference, it's a book called the go giver and you just, you give because it's the right thing to do. And why is it the right thing to do? We might have to explore that. Um, but you give without any expectation of receiving, because if you're giving without any expectation of receiving, there's no ulterior motives. You're doing it because you're genuinely wanting to leave a positive impact on the world. So I don't think that you should give out good to receive good. I think you should give out good because it's the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do. But why is it the right thing to do? Um, you can even look at, let's look at it from a pretty simple standpoint. Like you give someone a gift. Right. And I get so excited, dude. Like I get a gift from my wife in the mail and it's like three months before our anniversary. I'm like, you've got to open it now. Like I, I get so excited uh, <laughs> because it was something that I really listened to. Like at dinner one night when we're both tired, she was like, yeah, someday I'd like to have the Harry Potter book collection. I was like, yeah. bet. So I yeah. ordered it right away and we're like three months away from our anniversary and it came in. I was like, open it. <laughs> you got to open it. Um, and I, I think that can kind of, and I didn't, give her that gift with any expectation of receiving a gift. Right. I gave her that gift because I genuinely wanted to, I guess, please her right. um, without any expectation of getting anything in return. And it's just a good, genuine feeling. Do you, do you believe that there is kind of a societal law or a good karma? Because yeah, I understand giving is the good thing to do, but there's a, there's a yeah. high amount of high successful people out there that believe that there is a law that if you're continually putting out good energy if you're open to good energy and you're doing things right that the good things will come back to you mm-hmm. do you believe that that is, that is a rule and that that's a law yes but i don't think you should expect it okay that makes sense where do you where do you think that that law comes from where, where do you is that how, how do you justify this because i have and i know i'm i may not be doing this well but yep. i i have conversations with people all the time is that i i think it's more of a of a happenstance thing of where if you're always gonna be positive around people and if you're always open to opportunities and if you're always out doing things, then it's just a matter of, it's a matter of percentages, you know what I mean? A, a matter of statistics that good things are gonna come to you because you're open to all these good things and you're out doing things and treating people well. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, you're gonna be open to more good opportunities if you're putting yourself in in good places. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I don't know that there's necessarily a law or anything governing that. And so that's that's what I wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, so let me start off by saying, I think let, let's walk through this and try to wrap our minds around it. I think, let me start off by saying that my well isn't deep enough to individually to feed, to fill other people's cups. Right. Um, but when God fills my well, I'm able to fill other people's cups. Okay. okay. And my well's like... An, let's call it an infinite well, and I can just okay. pour into other people's cups over and over and over again. Okay. Uh, and it's not my well, it's 
God's well that I have access to, I guess. Yeah, um, you, on the, you on the mineral rights. Through, yeah. through, believing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> through believing in him. And so in my environment, I'm consistently pouring into people's cups and their cups are filling while they're able to fill into other people's cups. And it's like the synergistic effect okay. where the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And okay. I think that you pour enough into the cups in your environment, then you're like, yeah, like eventually good is going to happen to you because your environment is full, filled with people with full cups and they can pour back into you accordingly. That makes sense. Uh, that I kind of like that. Do you think that that is a, is a God thing? Do you yeah, think that he, absolutely. he handles that and takes care of that? Going back to being a physical therapist, like there's no way I could pour out the good that I pour out on a daily basis without him filling my cup. Because like I said, it's a, it's a tipping of the scales like, Twofold, because yeah. not only am I taking giving out good, but I'm taking out bad, and so that's like a a double negative, I guess, if you will. Yeah. I'm giving one positive pebble away and taking on one negative pebble, um, but my cup is the scale is able to stay balanced because of my belief and because yeah. of my reliance on Him. And, and just to clarify, by that you mean that people come in with all these problems and aches and pains, and and they're they're justified, but yeah. you, typically you're the person that they finally get to vent to that actually gives a damn about what they're going through, yeah. and then you have to find a way to give positivity back. Yeah. I can understand how that could be draining. Typically, I'm the end of the road, so they've tried chiropractor, they've tried medication, they've tried, and they've been going through the medical system for years upon years upon years, yep. and they've given up. Every person that they've been to hasn't listened to them, and we're in a unique position to sit down and especially at empire pt and performance or one-on-one with a patient for an hour and i if i need to sit down for the evaluation and just let the patient talk that's what i do i'm like i can get my information later like yeah i need to kind of see you like we need to touch our try and touch our toes we need to like if it's cervical like i need to see you move your neck a little bit so i can get some objective numbers down um but it's not just physical aches and pains. These people come in and it's like they're one-on-one with you for an hour in a private setting. And they're like, you would be surprised how much people open up in that. And it's way beyond their physical self. Yeah. And sometimes I, I'll test something before. Then I let them take off like a lot of emotional baggage on me. And then I test again. That's and they, awesome. they're physically better after. And I haven't even laid a hand on them. We haven't done an exercise or anything. But I was able to calm their nervous system down just enough to get objective increases in movement just by talking to them. That's really cool. Yeah. So I yeah. believe in it. That, How that, that works, really I don't cool. know. But <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So how did you decide that you wanted to be a physical therapist? That's a good question. Um, I actually, coming out of school, I was going to be an ag business and economics major. Um, yeah. I come from a family of people who work in feed yards, ranches, things like that. You drive the truck for it. You don't drive a physical therapist truck. No, not so at all. <laughs> that doesn't still surprise definitely me at all drive the that. ag business and economics truck. Yeah. Um, and I had an advisor at WT. His name was Rick, Rick Hassel. And I think he's the assistant to the dean now or, or associate dean, I think is his correct term since he got his uh, PhD. Nonetheless, sat down with him and he was like, so why do you want to go into ag business and economics? I'm like, well, it's what my family's always done. It's what my sister's done. I'm just going to like carry on the family tradition. He was yeah. like, well, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, Oh, he's like, <laughs> what are you, what are you interested in? And dude, this was going into my freshman year. This was that like new student orientation at WT. Yeah. And I was like, well, I like fitness. I like working out. Um, someday I want to own my own business. Yeah. And he was like, okay. He was like, what can you do with that? Um, I was like, 
I don't know. He's like, have you ever heard of like physical therapy? And this yeah. is probably going to drive some people nuts. But I was like, yeah, I was, uh, actually spent a little bit of time in a clinic, uh, know some people. He was like, well, let's do health sciences, the health science route, because if you do want to do physical therapy, it's going to help you get your prerequisites. If yeah. you don't, it's going to put you in a position to be in some kind of administrative job uh, right. in the healthcare field. So I was like, sweet, knocked out on my prerequisites. It's not a very traditional path to physical therapy because nine out of 10 people are like, oh, I tore, my, I tore my ACL in high school and I had the most awesome <laughs> physical yeah. therapist and I want to be a physical therapist and that wasn't my path at all. Um, so that's how I ended up being a physical therapist. You wanted to raise beef all son. <laughs> that's what you wanted to do. And you went in there and now you're helping old ladies dead yeah. lift. So that's what a wild I'm helping turn. the old farmers and ranchers. Yeah. But it really is fulfilling. And then I looked into, when he told me that, I looked into job growth rates. Yeah. And at that point in time, I think the normal job growth rate was 11%. Uh, I, I'm saying this because I wanted to make sure I had a job when I got out of college because that seemed to be a problem that yeah. I was looking around me and people were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars not having a job when they finished. Right. Um, the growth rate at that point in time between... 2014 and 2024 was like 34 percent um because all the baby boomers are getting older and need a physical therapist so yeah. i'm like okay gonna have a job um i was a little ageist but all right yeah <laughs> and check and then i was like well do people enjoy being a physical therapist and for it as a general rule for like the last 10 years it's been top 10 most satisfying jobs and i can see why if yeah. you have the right mindset if you don't have the right mindset it's easy to get burned out for reasons that we've talked about already. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. I was gonna, uh, I was gonna add on to that. Oh, do you? Would you identify like helping people as one of your purposes too? Is that what gets you out of your, out of bed in the morning to go be a physical therapist? Where where does that? How do you how do you find fulfillment in your job? So you talked about what are, you know what are people most satisfied with in their in their job. How do you find fulfillment and get up, get out of bed and go get after it? What is it just a means to, to fulfill your other purposes? Like, yeah, I got to make money and this is how I'd rather do it. Or do you actually find a calling in that? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, I would say that helping people, I, I just feel like that's a super generic answer when you ask a physical therapist what their purpose is. Like, why do you want to be a physical therapist? I want to help people. Yeah. <laughs> cool join the other 5 million people who are physical therapists. Yeah. Um, or saints. Or yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> or gas station uh, So I, would, I, I do get fulfillment in it, but I think I get fulfillment. Hmm. It's satisfying for my, like the problem solving need in my brain. Like I wake up and I want to solve problems. Um, and I get to solve a lot of problems on a daily basis, almost more than I want to take on. And yeah. I have the freedom to do that. Uh, Evan, he's my boss and he's a clinic owner. He doesn't micromanage me. He's just like, go off and do your thing, man. Um, yeah. so I'm able to go out make decisions, uh, solve problems. A lot of the times complex problems. Sometimes I'm like, God, that's way over my head. Yeah. But you just, Kind of like process of elimination. Okay, that hurts. Try this. Okay, that hurts. Try this. Okay, we found something that works. Let's stick with it. And similar variations to that. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, I have like this decision making tree in my head and I like go through it as I'm working with a patient. Yeah. I think guys, maybe it's because we grew up in, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to think through this because when I ask guys what fulfills the most, it typically has something to do with solving problems. For, for other people. 
And I wonder if that comes from guys with a with a strong male role model. When all of the biggest problems happened in the, in the household, car broke down, we had a leak. You know, dad was the one that solved it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mom very rarely solved the biggest. She may have been solving you know big problems on the back end, financial Especially stuff, with kids, yeah, yeah logistical stuff, stuff yeah, sure. stuff that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. But all of the big glaring problems. You had least, a car tire blowout on the yeah, side of the yeah. road on a ten mile road trip or and, ten hour road yeah. trip, yeah. and and dad solves those problems. Mm-hmm. You know, and we we get older and we realize that mom was a pretty good problem solver and she she handled a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But do you do you think that solving problems? Why do you think that so many men are attracted to that? to that purpose and why why does it get people out of bed? Because that's that's why I, I went to engineering school is because I said I want to solve problems. Well, I learned very quick that I don't really like math problems and those aren't really the problems I want to solve. And I'm kind of wishing I would have gone the more medical route, but I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose in other ways that don't have to do with my job. But I do think that that's central for a lot of men. And, and I think that we end up getting into, into, into careers that we might necessarily not enjoy because we think that's the best way to go solve problems for people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Why, why do you think that is? So I'm going to go back to um, caveman times. And this is this is going to be, there's going to be some generalizations here. So for the people who are um, looking for something to get their feelings heard about, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, they don't you, listen to this podcast. I can back. promise you that the only people that listen to this podcast are in my circle, yeah. and the ones that get their feelings hurt, they're not here yet. <laughs> so this episode will be very buried before they show up. So I want to go back to caveman times. So as a general rule, um, like let's spears, woolly mammoths, like those types of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you, me by myself, I couldn't go out and kill a woolly mammoth. So. Yeah. My ancestor understood, like, I can't do this by myself. It takes a tribe. Okay. So from that, the men went out together. There's, let's say there's 12 of us. And we had to problem solve our way. Like, we killed this, God, how heavy is a woolly mammoth? Like, 8,000 pounds? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to throw 8,000 because I have no idea. Yeah. Anyways, it's ginormous. And back back then, things were just so much bigger. 12 men, and we were tasked with if we're gonna live we have to kill this woolly mammoth if we yeah. live and eat if we put shelter overhead and food in our bellies we have to kill this woolly mammoth let's put our differences aside problem solve work together kill this woolly mammoth well back at the tribe moms were in their teepees taking care of the baby and yeah. that was pretty well like an independent thing unless mom got sick like they pretty well stayed in their teepee like kept the baby warm fed the baby things like that so yeah. they worked very independently so we were tasked with from the get-go problem solving together to put food in our bellies and roofs over our head. I almost think it's like genetically programmed into us. And women are like, hey, it is my sole purpose right now to raise this baby and make sure that this baby lives. And I'm going to figure that out independently. Um, So while I think problems get solved on both ends, um, like you said, one gets a little bit more credit than the other because it's the very glaring problem. Like, are we eating or are we not? Yeah. But taking care of a sick child, especially back then, like talk about a test. There's no antibiotics. They're just like cramming like herbs and all kinds of stuff in there, like heat and eyes. And like, let's see if we can make this baby feel better. Well, so they were, they were problem solving in the privacy of their own TPs. Yeah. So I think it's two different kinds working yeah. together. Um, trying to get that synergistic effect from a group and independent problem solving. Well, and the most glaring, like you said, the most glaring because I, very few men probably brought the, the meat back and cooked it themselves, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the, in the tribe. Yeah. So I'm sure that like 
how how do I put this? It they're all problem solvers, but I think like for us, it was that bravado. The and it's like this for women too, because a lot of women want to grow up and be a mother. You know what I mean? Like they find their purpose in that. But I think the, how how do I put this? I think men like being the people that that others can count on. You know what I mean? I think yeah. lo- men like being that guy that, hey, you can count on me. I'll carry this on my shoulders. I'm going to help solve your problems. Yeah. And I do think it comes from that of, hey, look, we've got to eat. Yeah, the women are going to solve a ton of problems after we after we go and yeah. get you know the yeah. food. We'll bring it back, and they're going to tan the hide, and they're going to make all the clothes, and they're going to mm-hmm. do all this shit mm-hmm. that we couldn't do. We couldn't live without. Yeah. Literally, we couldn't live without mm-hmm. it. Okay? We're not saying that they're lesser than. Yeah. But I think that boys... We, we're growing up and it's it's more obvious to us that hey these are the problems that dad is solving and you know the spare tire on the way home yeah mom may have to balance the checkbook to figure out how to pay for the spare tire you know mm-hmm. or the the blown engine all the behind the scenes yeah yeah, yeah. Stuff. Mom that's may have why to, i don't think they get enough credit yeah i don't i don't think they get enough credit either but i, I think it does i do think that a lot of young men Hopefully, they grow up with a desire to help other people solve problems, and and that's where they find their purpose. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. And I think I think, that makes sense. I think raising a kid to be okay with failing. Um, yeah, my dad, my dad did an incredible job um, by saying you can only mess up, you can only mess up if you're trying. And so yeah. we were okay with trying. And he didn't like if we were trying to help him with something and we failed as we inevitably did growing up. He didn't get mad. He just, he understood like, hey, at least they're here trying and I'm yeah. going to try to help correct them all along the way. So I was never afraid to try stuff. Right. Um, and I hope that I can pass that on. And part of problem solving is trying and failing. Yeah. Like the amount of times I've worked my way through an exam by like just getting out of the way all the yeah. wrong stuff yeah. um, and did well on the exam. Like I can't even count how many questions that I didn't know the answer to, but I was just like, all right, what's not right? Yeah. And Matthew McConaughey says, he's like, I didn't know what my purpose was, but maybe I can at least figure out what my purpose isn't. And by doing enough of that, I'll figure out what my purpose is. Yeah. Is that from Green Lights? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's his book, isn't it? Green Lights? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good book. And he narrates it on the, uh, like the audiobook. So yeah. it's awesome to just hear his voice because he has a sexy voice. Yeah. I did. He does. Yeah. He does. He does. All right. All right. Um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want to get his book. He, he just, I love him. I love him. And yeah. then How can every, you not? Well, every four months, he just says some stupid shit politically. And I'm yeah. like, dude, I really like you. But then yeah. he goes and says something that is like directly against all the things I believe. Yeah. And I just have a problem giving somebody my money like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, and this isn't where I want to go. But I yeah. just, I really want to get that book. And I'm going to write it down. And I'm probably going to get it and buy it. Well, uh, I think. But So one of my friends, his name is Dylan Douglas. And. I'm going to paint this scenario because Squat University released one thing that was controversial. And ever since anything that Squat University says he doesn't like, I'm yeah. like, man, like he gets, gives out a lot of good and uh, not very much bad. And yeah. then he posted a picture of like a turd in the middle of a swimming pool. He's like, there's a lot of good, but that bad is enough to make you want to get out of the swimming pool. And I was like, okay, fair counter argument, <laughs> but I think it's okay. So Benjamin Franklin did a lot of good things. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Um, but Benjamin Franklin liked the brothel. So some people write him off because he liked nude women. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, but I'm like, you're going to ignore all the good he did for the one bad thing he did. Yeah. So I think we can almost, um, 
cherry pick the good from other people and try to apply that to ourselves. Like Matthew McConaughey has a lot of good things to say. I'm going to take that good. Um, who is that guy who wrote those books? Um, and you're like, yeah, I don't agree with some of the things he says. I was like, but he says, Oh, a lot Ryan of holiday. Yeah. Ryan holiday. See, and I'm not yeah. against the information. Yes. Let me put it that way. I just hate yeah. giving people my money because I think we're at the point of the world to where they don't like me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, I would even go to say they hate the, they hate my way of life. Yeah. You know what I mean? When it comes to the guns and, and the abortion debate and all that, all that kind of stuff Yeah, that That's I think tricky. they truly hate my way of life. And so I have a hard time giving them my money. I'm not so, saying their knowledge isn't worth something. I just have a hard time. Yeah. Giving them my and, money. I, and I wanted to go a completely different place. I'm giving my money to their knowledge. I'm not like, I see it like they have knowledge that I don't. Yeah. I'm going to find a gym in their book that I can apply to my daily life. I'm buying the knowledge. I'm not buying the person, which even though they are getting money from it, it's like, is my $10 going to make a big difference? Yeah. I I do think that that's probably the principle of the matter. I don't know. I think that's probably the better perspective. Um, I do think that that can go a little bit far. You know what I mean? When, when we're just willingly supporting, you know, corporations, which I had no idea that you support those things. I was like, Hmm, still wrote a good book though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it could go too far where we're just willingly supporting like, well, they make good shoes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They may saying. hate your whole way of life. Yeah. And they may be, you know, working in the stock market to completely shut down, you know, every single thing that you believe in, you know, like oil and gas and stuff, like with the ESG regulations and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I think it could go too far in either way. And I'm probably too far on the other way of like where if I hear that they say that we shouldn't have AR-15s and I'm like, well, I'm never buying anything that you ever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, you hate me, so I hate you. And so I need to get over that and I need to buy his book because that's really good. But anyway, uh, go. Going off of that, there's a there's a book. It's by Adam Grant called Think Again, yeah. and he touches on a subject called the binary bias. Yeah, I, I've heard of that. Yeah, and, and so it, it's Jocko like calls it the dichotomy. Okay, yeah. so the binary bias essentially says, uh, I, hmm, what what is a good way to put this? Um, I'm just going to jump right into it. Abortions or no abortions? And it's yeah. like, gosh, that's tricky. That's a very touchy subject. Um, yeah. And are we saying black and white, like absolutely none or just let everyone have full reign? And I hear I hear the argument on certain things. I'm like, well, you make a good point. Like stepdad, like sexually assaulted you and now you have a kid as a result. Yeah. God, that's tough. Like, do you really want to raise that child? But then there's just people who are absolutely careless with it. And it's like, I'm just using abortion as a, as a form of birth control. And I don't think yeah. that's right either. Um, so it's like, the, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, and that's what the binary bias is saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a song. It's called Shades of Grey by, I think it's Robert Earl King. But it, everything is a shade of gray, I yeah. think, to a certain point. Yeah. Um, I do think that we have... I do think that we must draw lines somewhere, though. Yeah, and that's, that's what I was getting to next. Like, if you, if yeah. you held a gun to my head and you're like, abortions or no abortions, there's no difference. I'm, I'm going no abortions for sure. Yeah, yeah. and... and, and to back out of the specificity of that, which I have no problem discussing, no. but to to get back to like, yeah, everything is shades of gray. I do think, and especially as men, to tie it back to our purpose of men, everything is going to be shades of gray. And, you know, yeah, we don't have the, uh, what did you call it? The, uh, dichotomy what did what did you call binary it bias. binary bias yeah you'll have that sometimes and the decision you make as a man sometimes in your home or something like that you are going to eventually have to draw lines but you need to understand that there is there's still nuance in that line you mm. know what i mean so if we say 
just to use this as an example, no abortions. Yeah. Well, we are going to have to understand that there is going to be the the 1% of cases where they didn't have that baby by choice and we yeah. all know what happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? And But you're going to have to hold to that line if you hold to that line mm-hmm. or allow for nuance. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I do think that setting boundaries and creating lines and boundaries, especially as men, when you're trying to lead a household, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's take it to something a little bit less consequential as a society. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that's touchy. Yeah, sweets for kids. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to draw a line, but also understand that there's nuance. You know what I mean? Set yeah. your boundaries, but understand that those boundaries are going to are going to hurt a little bit on either side because yeah. everything is shades of gray. And there that, is a valid point on the other side of that line. Yeah, and coming back to my dad, he was like, when I was younger, uh, dude, and he jumped into stuff. Like, I was six years old, and he was getting mad at me. He's like, son, it's my job to make you a functioning member of society. And I was like... Now, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, the what he gave me in respects to what you're saying was he said, son, you're a sheep. And we've got a very busy highway on one side and we've got a barbed wire fence on the other. Yeah. We have the bar ditch to work with. You have, there's some wiggle room. You could very seriously hurt yourself one way or die the other. And it's my job to give you freedom, as your shepherd call it, um, right. give you freedom to, to make mistakes, but not make make mistakes that are either going to seriously hurt you or kill you. Yeah. Um, and that's the picture that I have in my head for what we're talking about right now. Yeah, I, and I think that's key. Uh, you, let's get back to the, uh, the failure thing. You said you think it's important. In order to solve problems, it's important to fail. Did you ever play baseball? No. You never played baseball? Dude, people look at me and they're like, you, you're first baseman, right? I'm like, so I I grew up in a small town to begin with. I actually yeah. started in Groover and baseball wasn't even a sport. The only sport that they actually had was soccer for the little kids and football as you made your yeah. way into junior high, high well, school. Well, soccer's a commie plot to take over the world. So yeah. I don't even acknowledge that. So have you heard the Tosh point? No, he was like, yeah, like if I grew up in a mud hut playing soccer on a gra- kicking around a <laughs> round ball on a grass field does sound pretty fun, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> but no, I never played baseball. Okay. Yeah. Well, in small Texas towns, for some reason, like in the Midwest, baseball might be all they have. They may not have football. You know what I mean? In, 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 yeah. In a really small town. But uh, in Texas towns, a lot of towns don't have baseball, like smaller towns. And that's kind of wild to me because yeah. it still seems like it's such a staple here in Texas. But anyway, to, to that point, I always got told of, hey, look, I will never say a thing to you if you strike out swinging. I might, you know, tell you, hey, you were a little bit under that ball or you're chopping at it. But we will never have a a negative conversation around striking out swinging. Mm-hmm. But I swear to God, if you stand there and watch that ball, you're not going to enjoy the ride home. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. if it's in that box, you swing at it. And then at batting practice, mm-hmm. he's. It, it didn't matter if it was a ball way outside. If it was something that I couldn't possibly hit, I better damn well get a good air swing in because we're at batting practice. You know what I mean? Be be willing to yeah, fail. No we're not at what. standing here and watching the ball go by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially at batting practice. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a game, if I just stood and watched and just stood and watched three strikes, that was not going to be a fun ride on the way home. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, failure was forced. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it, it, it just was because at least we're trying. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I talked through that with like my wife. She was she was really scared of, of failing in like college when she was going through the the Nuke Med program and stuff like that. Of like. I'm really upset. I'm going to fail. And she would get to that point of, I'm not even going to try because I don't want to fail. And I don't, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to disappoint my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking about not even trying this next semester, you know, giving it up before mm-hmm. I fail. And it's like, Hey, look, I, I am way more proud of you if you go and you fail versus yeah. the not doing it. And that's, yeah. you know, 
that's always what my my dad pushed was that kind of a similar situation with you Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think we touched on it a little bit earlier and it was like hey i can't get mad at you mad at you if you're trying um i'd mess up and i'd be really mad at myself and he'd be like hey you tried you wouldn't have messed up if you never tried to begin with yeah um so yeah that was definitely instilled for me from the very get go even when i didn't understand what was going on yeah, and, and it was always like, do your best. You know what I mean? There, there was always a little bit of elevation of, hey, we're not going to try and get a participation trophy. We're going to go and, you know, we're not going to just go try and loaf around the field and I'm still going to be happy because you're here. It was, hey, you're going to go and do your best. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you do your best, then we're, we're fine. My dad always, he, he always said that we're not here to win, we're here to have fun. And winning's a lot of fun. Yep. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of how he ran his peewee teams. And yeah. I always kind of respected that because I, I felt like we really weren't there to win. We were there to learn yeah. and, and have fun. Yeah. And he would always say, like, players win, coaches lose. And he would yeah. always say, as long as, as long as you're giving me your best, players win, coaches lose. Yeah. And so that was, so that, that was really good. Another way my dad instilled that is – let's start on the other side of it. If I, like if after a semester, I think it was six weeks, like there's first six weeks, second six weeks, third six weeks in, at yeah. our school. If after the first six weeks I had a hundred in a class, he was like, not hard enough for you. He's like, if you come out of there with a hundred, it's not challenging enough for you. Yeah. Um, so I was like eight or nine years old, dude. And I was like, I was about to end up with a hundred in like one of my six weeks and, <laughs> and I bombed my last test and sent home. I'm like, dad, check out the 93. I'm learning something now. <laughs> so, so I stuck that it may to, have been not the tactical <laughs> approach from your dad. I stuck, I stuck it to him. Uh, and he, and I told him that years down the road and he was like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, but on the flip side, my sister, extremely intelligent um she's my idol in a lot of ways but she came home and she had a b in math my sister's very mathematically minded and she had no business getting a b in any difficulty level of math class and he got mad at her it was like pre-ap dual credit trig and she came home and she had like an 87 and he was like why is there an 87 here and she's like dad it's a hard class and he's like i know it's a hard class but you're better than this yeah um so they're both ends of it if we came home with 100 mm -mm, you're not being challenged enough if you came home with a a class a b in a class he knew you're capable of getting an a in you're gonna get your ass handed to you yeah yeah i i didn't i don't know that we ever had any disciplinary action over grades it was that you know that I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, and that always felt ten times worse than them. You yeah, know? it's like, dude, can you just beat my ass, please? You know what I mean? Like, don't be disappointed. Just beat the shit out of me. You know, like, dude, I messed on, up man. one time like, in my algebra class. I got like an eighty something on a my first test, and I shook my head. And uh, to paint the picture, the is weird. Is a football coach was one of the teachers or was my teacher for like, I think his algebra one, which is they're normally history teachers or geography teachers or not geog. Yeah. Geography teachers, something pretty yeah. straightforward. Uh, but he is stout. I uh, played football for WT solid dude, super strong, uh, built like a brick shit house. Um, he, he handed it to me. I was like, Oh yeah. And he was redheaded. Oh, and, and so that, that makes sense here in a second because I got my paper back and I was like, dang my dad's gonna beat me like a redheaded stepchild and and he goes easy that's all he said (laughs) that's funny yeah no i just remember the uh my my dad was pretty he was hard on me for grades and it was a good thing because i got really good grades i mean for most of my academic career until i moved out of his house um college was not the best place for grades. i took off in college i don't know what it was but i was like did really well in college yeah i just wasn't made for 
I kind of grew into my anti-establishment, anti, yeah, anti-bureaucracy thing to where I just I started looking at all these people and I'm like, it, 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 I just didn't do well in college. Yeah, I, I wasn't a very good student. I've always yeah. been a, kind of a smart guy, not a very good student. And, uh, so, and I wouldn't say that I'm a good student. I'm just good at taking exams. So yeah, same. I, I'm not me. good at doing homework. Yeah. Um, I'm really good at taking tests. Like I, I honestly, I don't know that there's there's very few tests that you could put in front of me. I don't care what it's about that I would I would just completely bomb. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's gonna be pretty hard for me to just completely. <laughs> Dude, I did in PT school. It was the second uh, AMP exam, and I turned that in. And like, mind you, in PT school, if you can under a B is failing yeah. for all practical purposes. You can get one. You're put on probation. You. If you get two within a semester, you get get kicked out. Yeah. If you get one in one semester and one in the next semester, you, you get kicked out. If you get, like, let's say I get one in semester one, not one in semester two, one in semester three, not one in semester four, one in semester five, fifth one, you get kicked out. Wow. So you can get a C, but it's very, like, you definitely don't want to get a C. And I remember on that second A&P exam, I submitted it and I was like, I'm done. Like You're done. That, that's, that's yeah. nail in the coffin. Um, and I made an 80 on it. I was like, <laughs> I wonder how many, te- cause I've, I've fostered some good relationships with some teachers and it's like, what do I need to pass this class? And they're like, well, we'll see how the test comes out. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, you needed a 60 to pass the, you know what I mean? You got a 60 and you're like, Hey, <laughs> Hey, you know, I know I bombed that motherfucker. What did you do? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I wonder how many how many professors do that. And it's kind of wild. Let's talk about your experience in college. And like, I, you went into one of the more technical technical degrees where I think college is pretty necessary. Yeah. And it's pretty necessary to be a little rigorous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. difficult. I think college is, is, number one, way too bloated with the liberal arts piece, you know, liberal liberal arts bullshit to where all they're doing is making more professors. Mm-hmm. That's literally all they're doing because yeah. nobody uses these people outside. And I don't think of, you should be a professor unless you've actually done the thing that you're professing. Very, very fair. I think it would be very hard yeah. because finding people competent enough to go do the thing and then finding them, wanting to pull them out of that to go make less money to teach, yeah. that's going to be pretty hard. Which in college um, you should be able to get pretty close. But anyways, go ahead. Anyways, uh... I, it always just felt like a scam to me. Like even in mm-hmm. engineering, like we're t- this is an engineer and a physical therapist, and I'm not full. I, I did engineering technology, so it wasn't like I did mechanical engineering. Yeah, half, half of my buddies are going to give me a text if they hear that. So I'm not full blown full engineer. I've done yeah. engineering jobs, but yeah, an engineer and a PT sitting here. We've got two of the most technical degrees. Did you feel like college was kind of a scam? Like um, on a low level, like like you're going in and you're like, whenever am I going to have to? treat a patient and not have any resources available. You know what I mean? Like the, the tests and the stuff that they always yeah. did, like nobody in the real world is ever going to have to sit down with a patient for an hour disconnected from the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and have absolutely nothing at their feet and have to memorize yeah. like a whole bunch of bullshit in order to treat them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, okay. So let, let's try to unpack some of that. Um, I always viewed it as, this is a stepping stone required to get to where I want to go. Yes. Um, so like throughout school, especially in like early, early undergrad when we're going through core classes, they're like, Oh, 
I'll never need to know art history. I'm like, but you have to take it to get to your next semester. Yeah, it's um, necessary. Yeah, it's a it's a stepping stone. Now, do I think they could do a better job of slimming? Because it's a business. And the more semesters yep. and the more classes they can have you take, the more money they're going to make. Yep. And a lot of the time, it's not even your money. It's the government's money. So you're okay with spending it however you see fit. Yeah, that ain't no uh, shit. Yeah. So I think some people get willy-nilly. And the, anyways, and they start taking classes that they don't need to take. But they, the university system is forcing classes that aren't necessary. Because I, I walked in, and by the time I figured out I wanted to be a physical therapist, I needed to take, like, is physics one, physics two, chemistry one, chemistry two, AMP one and two, biology one and two, um, and a handful of other classes. So let's call it 16 classes I had to take. Yeah. Um, you average that out, four classes a semester. I really should have only been there, like, four semesters, not seven yeah. to get to where I wanted to be at. Cause I want to go to PT school. Um, it did cross my mind. Like on our practicals, dude, they had hand us like a page and it was a patient. You had 15 minutes to go over it. And then you had to go in and use all the techniques, the hands-on stuff, the exercises that you had learned in that block. Um, but in, you're right in the real world. Like if I had like, Today I saw a patient on my schedule and it was like TMJ pain. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not back or neck or shoulder or knees or hips or anything that I'm used what to working on. What is TMJ? Uh, mandibular joint, your jaw. Oh, yeah, okay, um, the, the locked jaw type stuff. Yeah, so, but it wasn't a test. Like, I was able to like, okay, I need to go back and refresh. So I kept yeah. all my notes from school. I refreshed on TMJ techniques and I went into it because it's not a thing I normally do. Um, yeah. But there, you better be damn well ready to go into that practical and know everything about TMJ. Um, and, and I think it is a good point. To, and like I said, you're one of the, you have one of the more professions that mm-hmm. I'm okay with letting it slide. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, okay, put people through these rigorous tests. Like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. I think you, you need to train people to above what they're going to be doing every single mm-hmm. day. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get that because even if they only retain 70%, of the hell that you put them through in school, then they, you know, they're, so they're going to be way ahead yeah, of the normal, uh, you know, of what they're going to have to do every single day. Yeah. Like I get that to a certain extent. Yeah. It was just, it was so frustrating. Dude, I had to, to yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I just had to keep on reminding myself, like keep on reminding myself, this is, this is what I need to do get the piece of to paper. get to where I want to be, to get yeah. the piece of paper. After I get that piece of paper, well, that's the degree and the other piece of paper, which is the license within the confines of like law i can do whatever i want so yeah and a lot yeah that, that makes going sense. down a longer tangent yeah that answers the question i just, I just university could do a better job of not being as much of a business and more so being in, invested in people's futures right well and i think what it happens is they get a lot of these professors that you get the coach who is a history teacher and he doesn't really care about history so what do you do you look at vocabulary for you know Look up history vocabulary and then read the textbook and you might watch a little bit of crash course on YouTube in the class and then you have, uh, you know, a test later. You know what I mean? Like, I think they get some of that at the college level and obviously it's going to be a little bit better. Like, they're going to teach a decent course, but they they don't know how to actually do, you know, some of the the practical real world research and treatment or at least in the – let me do it on the engineering side. I'm not going to speak on your end. Yeah. They don't know how to do the actual real world engineering. So instead to make themselves feel like they're – they're providing a, a decent class or that they themselves are competent. They overblow it with these stupid hard tests of things that you're never going to need to know yeah. and putting you in that situations that you're, yeah, that you're never going to be in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mm-hmm. think that's a little bit of it. That, like compensating kind of. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of compensation of, they know that 
that, that you're not that they don't know what it's like in the real world so instead mm-hmm. They sub that with, hey, step into my world and that's, we're going to take a test. And that's unnecessarily yeah, complicated. Yeah, unnecessarily complicated and there's no reason for it. Yeah. We fought a lot of that in the engineering school of like, hey, dude, there's there's no point in this. Yeah. You know, like this is But this is it was silly. a stepping stone you had to go through. And yeah. maybe you can go back and like try and make a difference in that. Like, hey, let's streamline a program for people who are dead set. Because they wanted to make sure that I was a well-rounded individual. That yeah. wasn't their job. It's up to me to become a well-rounded individual. Yeah. It's up to you to get me to PT school. Yeah. So let's streamline this. Let's save some kids money and let's get them to where they want to be in time. Like I could have been to PT school two years earlier. I could have been two years further down the road from a financial standpoint, but to cross all the T's and dot all the I's, I had to take my core classes, yeah. which are completely unnecessary. Well, and for younger people listening to this, do everything you can to try to shave off the fat of of college you know what i mean like go in and fight that bureaucracy that advisor is not there for you like there's some good advisors and yeah i would say yeah because i had a really good one well there there are some good advisors Mm -hmm. and some of them know what they're doing but definitely go in there and listen to them but understand that there's a good chance that that advisor is not going to be the best source of information and and put your understand your degree path yourself, understand what college is yourself and try to find ways to streamline that and and save yourself money. Don't just let them send you on this path of bullshit because I heard so many times that people get into their final semester and then some advisor didn't realize that they had to take this class that they only offer in fall semesters of odd years. Yeah. And then they're, then they get pushed out on their degree. So yeah, but that, that takes, that's more responsibility. That's more work. So you have to be willing to put that in. Yeah. Cause you just being a sheep and blindly listening to what's being told for you told to you uh you might find yourself in that position but if you take ownership of your situation and of your career path that shouldn't happen if you have a good advisor they should help you out too and and to make i had a really mine was the dean of the college so well that helps yeah and and to make sure that this wasn't a completely pointless tangent i I think that you can you can put up with a lot of bullshit if you have a a strong purpose you know what i mean i think what really hurts kids in college is they don't they go in and they don't really know what they want to do kind of like you did and if you hadn't had that advisor to get you on the right path Mm -hmm. you could have gone through ag business for three years and never been fulfilled you know god forbid you could have gone into the ag business career field yeah and turns out you hate cattle you know what i mean or like you don't like that's why i call a god thing dude yeah you know you don't like working at feed yards but i think that understanding your purpose and what you think your purpose should be that should be a prerequisite if i had to put a prerequisite before any other college class you know the summer that you get out of high school we're going to go through the purpose class and we're going to understand you know what do we think our purpose should be what do we what do we think we're put on this world to do and it may not stay the same throughout your college career but at least trying to figure out some of that before you go and you spend forty fifty thousand dollars it's going to help ground you and get you through college in a much better way does that make sense Mm -hmm. you know like i I think that was kind of the way that i got through some of the the bureaucracy and the bs and stuff like that is i knew that i needed to provide and i knew that i was already this deep into into engineering and the best way for me to provide was to get through with this degree get some money on the table you know what i mean and that was my purpose and that's how i got through it and i saw a lot of kids that didn't have a purpose going through I mean, yep. you, you saw him, you yep. know what I mean? Like I, I know, you know, you had to have run in some circles where there was that kid that didn't have a purpose yep. and he's just there to be there mm-hmm. and he's wasting a whole lot of money and wasting a whole lot of time yeah. and he's nowhere near you, where you are. And I had, I had one kid and he told me, cause I wasn't like really big. I went to one party and I got super stressed out and I left and I never went to another one. Yeah. It's because there's a girl there that I was trying to talk to, but it didn't work out and thank God it didn't. Right. But, um, uh, 
one kid asked me, he was like, well, why do you, why don't you want to just sit back and have a beer? And I was like, I'm on a mission, man. I want to yeah. become a physical therapist and to become a physical therapist, I need to get, to get into PT school. I've got to have stellar grades and I can't have stellar grades if I'm staying out late on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, drinking beer. Um, I'd be a lot better off doing nothing in my dorm room than going in reverse, which is kind of my philosophy through PT school. It's like, yeah. I'm okay putting it in neutral. I'm not okay putting it in reverse. So ideally you're in first, second, yeah. third, fourth or fifth gear. But if you can't be in one of those gears, stick it neutral, stay in your dorm room, play, play some video games, get a good night rest, read a book that you enjoy, um, go out and eat with some friends, uh, but try to avoid reverse at all cost. Yeah, that makes and that sense. that's my philosophy and really throughout all of school. Yeah. And I, I think that the only way you can avoid reverse is with that purpose. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it, what do they say? Uh, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. That yeah. that is purpose. Uh, yeah. That inverse of that is purpose. Yeah. Um, because if you're aiming at something, it keeps you on the straight and narrow. That makes sense. Um, so we do. I, I want to do one final thing. Wow. There there was one fly, and now there's six. Yeah. Holy shit. Sorry, podcast. <laughs> like we we have, we've been dealing with one fly for an hour and thirty one minutes, and now there's six that just showed up. This is crazy. Um, y'all had some y'all had some fly problems. Yeah, on our, on our so shameless plug. I also have a podcast. Yeah. It's called the G three podcast with Chase and Tanner, and we had our good friend Nick on. And gosh, the flies were awful. Yeah, I was gonna let you plug it at the end, but I'm, yeah. we got it out of the way. So what what is the is it body mind? Uh, so G three stands for growth. Yes. Uh, the three is um, mind body spirit. Mind body spirit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I got that kind of close. It may be in Bret Hart part two, but yeah. I, I fucked it up pretty bad. So <laughs> that's okay. Uh, yeah. So mind being like emo- like investing in yourself, uh, making sure you're mentally sharp, and making sure that you're able to articulate your thoughts. Spirit. Uh, we touch on uh, being a Christ follower, and we have. Uh, we have one episode with a pastor that comes on and talks about that and yep. body. And we've talked a little bit about that even in this podcast and the importance of having a physically capable body. Um, and then we do, we have some Q and A's and they're a little bit more laid back and happy go lucky type of episodes, yeah. uh, more conversational in nature than this, which I feel like is conversational, but has like an interview E type of vibe to it as well. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are y'all know each other, and it's the same two people on mm-hmm. the podcast. Yeah. I really like what y'all are doing, and mm-hmm. I like how it evolves because it is the same two people on the yeah. you know or the three people or whatever. Like I think y'all have a y'all have a young Jamie, don't you? Yeah, um, yeah. His name's Seth. He's awesome. Yeah. Y'all have a young Seth, and so it's kind of uh, it, it evolves throughout the episodes. And yeah, I, I really like what y'all are doing, yeah, and appreciate it. It, it. it inspired me to a certain level to start this, and I mm-hmm. wanted to make sure I kind of talked with you about it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that we were different enough to different enough to be distinguished and and you know i'm not ripping off because you started yours first so i want to make sure i wasn't ripping you off and that you know we wouldn't be in direct competition but i also wanted to be able to share a fan base and kind of grow off of that yeah kind of like what we're doing now so and and the reason i don't like i don't have an issue with that at all and i never have because i don't see i view that as a success starting a podcast and keeping a podcast going is a success it's a lot that goes into it um and my co-host tanner like definitely take carries the load of a lot of it so i have to give hats off to him um 
But I don't view success as a zero-sum game. I view it as an infinite pie, and everyone can have a slice of the pie. And I think the second that you start seeing success as a zero-sum game, like if if Chase is or if Haas is winning, then Chase must be losing. I don't view it that way. I see it yeah. that we can both be winning. Um, if you start seeing it opposite of that, it starts getting pretty slippery, and you start becoming a pretty resentful person, which resentful people aren't fun to be around. Yeah, I think we are both winning. You're doing y'all are doing really well. I really like your stuff. Yeah, so. Thank you. Um, have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, y'all do. Y'all do. Y'all do have a little bit more fun than what we have on on this podcast. We make some jokes. It, here it, it's less organized. Definitely more conversational. We just like fly by the seat of our pants, which is pretty. There, there's a lot of value in dialogue in that, though, mm-hmm. and you get to kind of it breaks down a little bit of those walls, is which is kind of what I like. Yep. Is that you know we get to see y'all with your with your guard a little bit down because you're yeah. in a room with friends. Yeah, and we get to hear. You know, we get to hear a lot of good value coming from that. So, yeah. And uh, it's when you hear people laugh, like, gosh, you'd have to almost be a psycho. People genuinely laughing and you hear that over the podcast. It's like you've got to be some kind of a psychopath to not even let a little bit of happiness leak into your soul. Yeah. You know what I mean? So hopefully we project some of that. Dude, I think so. And it's kind of weird. Podcasting is so odd because it's like for me, I'm in the conversation. I just can't talk. And that has been like the one thing, because I used to be the guy that if it, if I was in a conversation, I was going to add something to the conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't sit there for an hour while two other people talk and not add something to that. Yeah. Podcasting has majorly helped me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, what what am I gonna? I can scream in my truck. They're not gonna hear me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I have to sit there and think through my own ideas while they're working theirs out. And then just sit with that. I never get to share my ideas. Yeah. And so it's helped a lot. And, you know. Dude, and it helps you evolve your ideas. Like, we're throwing some ideas out on the table here. And as Tanner and I like to say, like, let's throw our ideas out there. Uh, yeah. If, if one wins out, hey, I'm fully capable with sacrificing my idea for a better idea. Right. Better yet, if they merge together, you have an even better idea. And both of you can move forward uh, yeah. improved or grown in that sense and as a listener you just kind of have to accept that because there's no way to you know we can't have that conversation and i listen to my own podcast and it's funny because sometimes i'll be listening i'm like if tanner's saying this that means i'm about to say this and most of the time it's the same but sometimes i'll read something sometimes i'll adopt a new thought and i'm like i don't believe that anymore so it's a constant like i hear myself i'm like man i don't believe that anymore um so hopefully people understand that because it'd be easy to sound contradicting but in some cases like i learned something and it was more it had more validity to it than my prior idea so it wins out and i adopt it so yeah that makes sense and then what was uh i was gonna say something else on top of that and i forgot what it was um yeah no podcasting is great and i, I really enjoy it and yeah. i think there can be a lot of value a lot of value taken from podcasts and i feel like it's underutilized why, why did y'all start the podcast um so originally it started off uh tanner and i we'd hang out on the weekends and just sit down literally for hours and just talk and just right. go back and forth and one day tanner was like dude we just need to record this because i think if i would have had this as a as a 17 year old kid 18 year old kid it could yep. have greatly shaped my thoughts um so that's why we started it and like i said tanner does an incredible job um uh, love him like a brother. I was very fortunate to come out of high school with a friend of that quality and that caliber. Um, and he, yeah, we're, we're co-hosts, but he definitely take, he bought all the nice equipment. He has a, he has a studio set up for it. He does all the editing. Um, so de- yeah, we're co-hosts, but it's not a 50, 50 thing. He definitely invests more into it. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to have conversations with him. 
and more so what I really like about podcast is I'm getting to, I have digital copies of these things yep. um, and I save them to a hard drive and I get to go back. It's priceless, dude. Like someday my dad's going to pass away and I'm not going to have much left of him. I'll have pictures, I'll have videos, I'll have memories, but hard to have something like almost tangible. Like a dialogue. But we have a, we have a, we have a podcast together. Tanner has one with his dad. We have one with our friends and it's like, man, if, if we lose that person, I can just go back. Kind of like some people save the voicemail from their mom or their dad that passed away. I have like a hour and a half, two hour long conversation with my dad. We edit it up. So it ends up being shorter sometimes, but I'll have that. And so when he passes on, I can just sit there and listen to it. And that's why I still have that truck that my truck was originally my dad's truck. And, um, have you heard it's a country song it's like she's still here but now he's gone uh, yeah. and i i drive your truck um yeah. and so i i have full intentions on keeping that truck forever because it's a piece of my dad so yeah that's awesome yeah the, the other thing i was gonna say is like i always love it in a podcast where i've i've studied enough and i know enough about the person doing the podcast that i can almost know where they're they're gonna go or i get there quicker than they do yeah. And so, like, I'll be listening to Jocko, and I hear the question on the Q&A, and I'm like, oh, he's going to go here. And then he goes somewhere else for, like, 10 minutes, and then eventually he's like, actually, this is it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, yes. Like, yeah. I, I called it. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. like, Ben Shapiro or any of those guys. I'm like, God, ben that's, Shapiro, geez. that's where they're going to go. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and then I love it when I get to finally have that validation yeah. of like, you know, I, cause I know what they're teaching me is working because I got there quicker than they did on that, you know? Yeah. So really and cool. Jordan Peterson in one of his podcasts, he said something along the lines of, well, don't you want to know everything? He's like, well, if I knew everything, like there'd be no reason to live anymore. Like yeah. I need to be constantly learning new things. And if I'm not constantly learning new things, like I'm not growing more into the person I need to be. And he's like, it's one of the biggest crimes to tell an 18 year old kid that they're everything that they should be. What do they have to look forward to? Yep. Nothing. Cause if I've, if I've, pe- and I always hated that high school is the best years of your life. So enjoy I'm like, damn, if these are the best years of my life, like I just want to die now because yeah. like, there's no point going forward. Thank God. Those weren't the best years of my life. I feel like, I feel like every year is like the best year. I'm like, yes, yeah, best year of my life. I go to the next year. Kind of like Matthew McConaughey. And he's like, yeah. uh, who's your hero? Me in 10 years. Yeah, guy came out 10 years later. He's like, who's your hero? Not quite yet, but me in 10 years. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I've been kind of having that. I've been putting in the work. And, you know, Andy Frazella says that your last thousand days, look at your last thousand days to see where you are now. And, yeah, every year just keeps getting better. And even even with the bad things that happen in life, you know, every year just keeps getting better. And, yeah, the, the whole – for some people, high school really was the best years of their life. And it's Bless pretty Bless their sad. hearts. And I know those people. I can list about 12 of them right now. Yeah, well – yeah, it's rough. I, I, I want to get to one last thing. Uh, we're going to do kind of a version of q and I had somebody personally ask me a question. of, And I'm going to ask this with Nick, too, because I think he would have a good perspective on it. But he, he called me and he said, how do you find motivation? And, and I think we can tie it back to the purpose. But you get those questions of like, oh, how do I get up and work out early in the morning? I, I don't think this is that. I think he, he, the words he put it in was, was drive. How do you find the drive to go and do things? And we talked about specifically like your workout, you do it so that you can protect your wife. But in general, is there a process or something that you hold on to, to in order to find drive to do difficult things? Not, not super specific, but is there something that you 
that you hold on. And I've got an answer to this that I want to run by you, but I want to get yours first. Of how do you how do you find the drive to 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 go and do things and get out of bed and do and do difficult stuff? Um, it starts with sur- surrounding yourself with the right people. Uh, yep. And why is that relevant? Well, that's relevant because if you surround yourself with the right people, they're going to be better than you at other things, which I think is good. You need to surround yourself with people who are better than better than you, and you want to cover all your weaknesses. That's how I view it. Like that's a no brainer for me. I'm like, Oh, you're good at drawing pictures. Let's be friends. Oh, you're good at video games. Let's be friends. Oh, you're good at math. Let's be friends. Um, and that's what the Carnegie's and the Rockefeller's were all really good at that. But if you follow that long, we're not going to go down that tangent. Um, so I think it starts with surrounding yourself with people who are better than you at different things. Um, and what does that do? Well, that it's kind of twisted, but for me, it makes me feel inadequate. It makes me feel not good enough. Yep. Um, so I'm like, man, I'm not good enough here. That's my drive. I'm like, I need to be better. So, and that's what I really like. We'll just use CrossFit Amarillo because that's been the topic of conversation. There's like a ton of studs at CrossFit Amarillo, dude. Um, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's freaking awesome uh, in all shapes and sizes. And I think that I look around, I'm like, not good enough yet. So that, that gives me drive there. Um, I listen to people like Jordan Peterson. I listen to people like Ben Shapiro. I listen to people like Jocko Willink. Um, Matt Walsh is another good one that I've just recently adopted. Yeah, uh, adopted ish. I listen to his stuff. Sweet baby gang. And they talk like just enough over my head. And, yeah. got, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I'm mentally inadequate. I need to step up my game. I need to listen to more podcasts. I need to read more books. And I need to integrate all those things together. Right. So that that's where my drive comes from. It's kind of like so deeper a than that. You have the desire to get better, yeah. Because there's a lot of people that surround themselves with people that are good at things, and they have they feel no need to to get better and be at that level. Yeah. What makes you want to be at that level? Um, you see what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, I can I can listen to these people and I can just accept that they're smarter than me, yeah, and be fine with it. What makes you want to be better when you're around those people that are good at certain things? Uh, I think part of it, I want to be as well rounded as I possibly can be, and I think if if I pride myself on if you ask me what I pride myself on, that would be one of those things, uh, being well-rounded. Like I want to be able to step into any arena and be good at it. Yeah. Uh, you hear the saying, um, Jack's of all trades is a master of none. There's more to it, but still better than a master of one. Right. So I'm like, people not always bother me. I'm like, there's no way like a Jack of all trades. It's like, yeah, the Jack of all trades is a master of none, but that has a negative connotation. Well, when you listen to the rest of it, but still better than a master of one, I'm like, yes, I want to be able, if I step up to a pool table, I want to be able to compete. If I step on a basketball court, I want to be able to compete. If I want, if I'm playing chess, I want to be able to compete. If I'm going to have a intellectual conversation, I want to be able to compete. If I step into the gym, do any lift, I want to be able to compete. And I think that's why I like CrossFit, but why? Why, why do you want to be able to compete? Um, I think that comes something down to deep within my genetic code. And I don't yeah. think, because not everyone has that. And there's no shame. I'm not like dissing anyone for that. It's just kind of how I am. Um, and you hear the nature versus nurture argument. Yeah. And I was fortunate to be born with uh, that, I guess, competitive spirit in my nature. And it was facilitated through my upbringing, through my father and my mother and things like that. Is your dad kind of a competitive guy? Oh, I wouldn't say he's competitive, but he always expected the best, I guess, in a roundabout way indirectly. Yeah, he's competitive. Yeah. Did, did he build up your self-worth? 
Did oh, I haven't ever thought about that. Um, did he build up my self worth? Gosh, I think so, but I don't think it's what he was intending to do. Well, maybe maybe in a in a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I think dads, when they tell you that they expect the best out of you. That's got to build up your self-worth because yeah. that means that you can be the best. And, and you're becoming a better version of yourself. Yeah, and they believe in you. So do you think yeah. that you, you pull that from your self-worth of your dad has put so much into you, of, of he put so much faith and belief into you, so you have to carry that faith and belief into yourself and you have to believe that? Does that? Uh, I would say it probably plays a role. And that's why I think, I think nature and nurture are both important. And for people who may have not heard the nature versus nurture thing. Um, it comes down to nature being what you're born with your genetics, yeah. nurture being the environment uh, that you're brought up in and that you continue to find yourself in. So I think it's an even split of those two things. I think it was inherently part of who I am. Yeah. Uh, and my dad facilitated the expression of those genes. I think, I think that, I think that's pretty well-rounded. And not only my dad, like, mom, like said, sister, friends, I think a lot of people facilitated that expression. Yeah, and like I said, I, I wanted to share mine and see where you line yeah, up with that. Hit me. I think that you you give a pretty well rounded answer for that, and I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. Of uh, I'm assuming that he's not asking the simple, oh, how do I wake up early in the morning? Well, you just fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when the alarm goes off, you get up. That's how you know. That, that's a way to answer that. I assume he's he's actually trying to sit get to the point of how do I actually build that desire in myself to be better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not the, how do I actually get up and, you know, cause you, you, you know, you hear people ask it all the time of, of our podcast, you know, well, how do I, how do I go and lift weight? Well, no. you do it. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I don't think he's asking that question. I, I think he's actually asking like ambition. How do I foster ambition? How do I foster the desire to be better? Yeah. And I came up with uh, thinking about this. I came up with, I think that there are two requirements. And maybe this is because I'm a little bit biased, but <laughs> I think that you have to have a purpose. You have to have some reason for being and some reason for being yeah, on this earth. Your why. Yeah, your, your why uh, mm-hmm. of, hey, look, I want to be a good father or I want to be a good husband. And for this example, let's say I want to be a good firefighter. Okay, how do I find the ambition to get up and do the things that are going to require me to be a good firefighter? Okay, well, first you must identify your purpose as a firefighter. You want to be a protector. You want to be, uh, you know, somebody that helps people. That's that's your purpose. You have to have a reason to do any of this. And then on top of that, you can want to be a firefighter, but still not get your ass out of bed and go work out. I think on top of that, you have to have a high self-worth. You have to value yourself and say, hey, look. I may be one out of eight billion of these, you know, of the people in the world, but I am still worth a lot and I can still make a difference in this world. And then I think that you have to value yourself at that, at, at a higher extent. And so that then you're willing to put the work in. I kind of, that went off the rails <laughs> linguistically at the end. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that you have to build that self worth. And once you say, hey, look, I know I'm worth a lot, I know that I have. I add value to this world and my purpose is to be a firefighter, then I'm going to want to be the best firefighter. You know what I mean? I'm going to want to be the best husband. I'm going to want to be the best father because you value yourself at such a high level. Does that make sense? Does that? Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that was that was the only thing I could come up with. And like I said, for this person, it, it was a it was a and a type thing. He called me and asked the question and say, hey, you know, can we discuss this on a podcast? And, I, and I think if you truly, truly, genuinely want to do something, um, you'll do it. Like, right. I don't mean to sound like too simple or too like, 
uh, strict there, but I think if you really do want to do something and achieve something, you'll do it. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of where I was going with the, yeah. how do I wake up early in the morning? Well, you do it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think is education. I think that's another big reason that people aren't motivated to do the hard things is because they're not fully educated on how it's actually going to help them. Yeah, they you know they don't know how waking up early actually benefits them. Yeah, or how being able to lift you know being able to power clean 300 pounds yeah. how that's actually going to help them be a firefighter yeah. they, they don't know they're not educated enough and so i would say that once you fostered that that purpose and self and self-worth to actually want to go be the best that you, you got to be educated because if you don't if you don't see the value in what you're about to go do then obviously you're not going to want to go do it yeah. you know what i mean like that's fair the the bow hunting that i do it's like it's kind of hard to make the connection between CrossFit and bow hunting, yeah. but once I'm fully educated and I know how to make that connection, it's yeah. a lot easier for me to go CrossFit because my purpose and my self worth is tied up in bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Does that does that kind of help you? Like, have you yeah. ever had that circumstance of where like I don't want to do this, and then yeah, and you, you get a podcast and you're like, you, you understand how much it helps you, and you're like, damn it, I guess I'll go do it. You know? Yeah, and I think that was we we touched on it a little bit earlier, like. I knew I wanted to be a physical therapist and I knew for me to get there, I did go through all these stepping stones. Even if I thought it was a worthless stepping stone, it was still a stepping stone in the right direction. Yeah. And the, the knowledge of, Hey, you can't get your degree unless you have that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like if it's ambiguous and they say, well, you might be able to get your degree without it. You're not going to go do that bullshit art history Mm -hmm. class. You know what I mean? Yeah, But But, they're like, if you want this degree so that you can go get that degree, you're going to do it. Yeah. Once you, once you know that you're going to be a much better firefighter, if you can power clean 300 pounds, yeah. you're going to be more willing. Mm-hmm. If you have that purpose and that self-worth, you're going to be more willing to do that. Yeah. So again, know the why. Yeah. Know the why. Know your so, purpose. I think it's going really good, man. Uh, I really appreciate you coming out here and doing yeah. this. You know, we're on a, what is it? It's Wednesday, right? Yeah. I get, I get my days mixed up. This yeah. week's been so crazy. Like I said, I didn't even eat dinner. I feel I'm that. actually hungry as shit <laughs> right now. Um, maybe I'll get a blue sky burger or something. Oh man. But, uh, no, it's been crazy. I appreciate you making time to come do this. Um, I really wanted to get it done before hunting season because my availability is going to hit rock bottom um, yeah. if I don't find a deer in the next two weeks. So yeah. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you coming and doing this and, and giving me your time. Absolutely. Is, it, is there anything else you have for me? Any questions? Any Anything that you want to add on that? No, I think we covered all our bases and checked checked all our boxes pretty well. I appreciate you having me on and taking the time to set this up. Yeah, man, I think I think it went really well, and I want to do it again in the future. I, yeah. I think Hit once we kind of had the original conversation, I think that maybe we can kind of key in on some topics and and come to this with a little bit more of an agenda now that we've kind of explored all the basic mm-hmm. all the basic things. Now that I know kind of what your expertises are, I think yeah. we'll be able to do this again. I'm down for it, man. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, thanks, thanks, Chase, and uh, thank you everybody for listening to Chase Christie on the Purpose Podcast. Once again, if you have any questions, uh, just hit me up on Instagram. Right now, it's just my Haas Instagram or my Haas Facebook. I'm working on coming up with some uh, specific podcast uh, social media pages, so eventually we'll be able to submit questions and answers through that. If you want to submit an anonymous question, I don't know how to do that yet, so it kind of sucks. But uh, maybe submit it through somebody else. But uh, yeah. It's, hit me with some questions. I think we're going to start doing some Q and A's. I've only got the one question, so I wanted to touch on that with Chase. But if you have any, uh, any info, if you, again, if you know how to do audio and if you see a problem with my audio, please hit me up, help me get better and help me uh, provide better content for y'all. But that's everything I've got. And thank y'all.